This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. Three hours, folks, of ideas, tools, the information you need to grow a healthier, happier life. Top of the morning to you. We're halfway through the week, man. We're making it. Slow and steady wins the race. And today, uh, holy cow, tons of great stuff coming up for you. We're going to be talking about your dialogue, your discourse. When it comes to differing opinions, differing views, how do you uh, handle the differences? How do you talk through the differences? It's, uh, it's, it's not just a Donald Trump problem. You know, a lot of people are, are on the bandwagon now. In fact, it seems like pretty universal uh, dislike and, and blowback on uh, what, you know, Brother Trump's been talking about. Yes, across the board. I mean, I'm like, I don't know that I heard anybody. I, I, I saw some interviews with supporters, people that were at Trump rallies. Right. They were interviewed and they talked about why they like Donald Trump. Oh, sure. Well, I mean, even with what he's yeah. saying now, they yeah. said they said he's standing up for what he believes in. He's not worried about being politically correct and what mm-hmm. other people are going to say. He just says it and stands by says it. Says it, stands by it. He's authentic. Yeah. Yeah. Again, he's leading the polls. People like him. But the pundits, the condemnation has been fairly universal. You just – it's not a great plan. Like the mayor of uh, London tweeted yeah. out saying that uh, he would be – he's more afraid of coming to New York because he may run into Donald Trump yeah. than any sort of bad neighborhoods. I think he needs to worry just about banning – the whole thing about banning Trump. Yeah. I mean <laughs> – <laughs> what happens when all of Congress passes a bill that says now, Trump's not allowed to be Trump? You deal with conflict resolution every day. Of how my life. how effective is it for a person when challenged? Yeah, to point out the weaknesses of everyone talking to them and mm-hmm. all their opponents, and and not talk about what we're, what the topic is or what the issue is or the problem is, yeah. but point out no. how these people just aren't as good as me. Doesn't work. It'll work short term. But at some point, you're going to need, you know, another plan. Right? I mean, the other plan, it just can't be offend, 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 offend. Because at some point, you know, people need to know we're going to do more than just say, like, for example, this is what he said the other day. Uh, he said, I am not against Muslims. I have very close friends that are Muslim that agree with what I'm saying. Yes. Now, that very statement is going to then say, well, who? All yes. the press, who? Who are these people? Let us just talk to a couple of them. But then they, the question gets approached, and then he starts talking over yeah. them. No, 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 no. Let me yeah. just finish. Let me finish. And he yeah. goes on and goes on. And it's this filibuster right. sort of approached where no one can get an, a word in to right. question what he's saying. See, the funny thing is, is the more airtime that he sucks up, which I believe that's his theory here. His theory is throw it out there. I don't even know if he honestly believes it really fully. Right. It just fills up the time. The problem is every time he talks, he uses the same technique. And you and everybody starts seeing the same technique for like the 12th time. Subconsciously, they know what he's doing. Even his followers know what he's doing. 
the they, they know what he's doing. The interviews you'll see him on ABC with George Stephanopoulos, and then you see him on uh, NBC with Chuck Todd. Yeah. Both of them are trying to get him to answer like a question, like when he says, "I have many friends." Well, who? Yeah. And then and then he just keeps talking, and you hear him go, "Right." But he did the same thing. They're just frustrated. Thousands. I saw thousands of people. Thousands of people cheering. And the minute that whole statement was done, when when nine eleven happened, thousands. They all started asking who, where, when. So that's what the press will do is they'll chase this for a while. And I honestly believe a lot of this is the press's problem. Yes. Because if they just looked at him like, what an idiot, this would all move on and everyone could beat him up. But here's what I truly believe. I believe I believe his followers like what he's doing. He is, to me, uh, a blocking back. What do they call a blocking running back? A fullback. A fullback. He's the fullback. Who's, who right now is being used, I think, by the press to just go in there and keep breaking down everyone else. He just goes in and just blitz it, I mean, blows them up. But eventually, you know, he's going to wear out. Eventually, everyone's going to know what he does. Eventually, you're not going to be able to just do the same trickery. Eventually, I also don't think in the end people will actually vote because I don't think they necessarily respect all of his ideas. They just respect his – his his guts. His delivery. Yeah. So you can his love someone's delivery. You can love someone's guts. You can love a good Rambo movie. I mean, who doesn't? Who doesn't? But it doesn't mean, you know, Stallone in Rambo deserves an Oscar. No, that wasn't great acting. So we may not vote for him in the end, but you might have loved the good shoot-up movie. You know what I mean? It's a good – I love Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. Great, funny movie. Funny movie. Not an Oscar award. No. <laughs> so I think in the end, people are seeing his trickery, and I think they like it because he'll take on the media, which right now a lot of the conservatives in the GOP love that he'll be, he's willing to go beat down people and say what no one else dares to say. But in the end, I don't know that they'll vote for him. I really don't. And I think a certain percentage will. Yeah. But I don't think – I don't even think the numbers he's pulling – well, again, most of the numbers we're seeing are people that are going to vote in the Republican caucuses, Republican, you know, it's just a Republican vote. Right. And even at that point, it's just the most energized Republicans that will be part of these votes. Right. Because most people are like, eh, I'll wait till November. Right. But again, you're still giving away the Oscar. You're giving away the presidency. You're yeah. giving away the chance the GOP has to go against Hillary Clinton. And I'm not sure anyone really believes he'd have a chance against her. He'd have all the he'd he'd go, you know, blow smoke. It would be the smokiest thing we've ever seen. It'd be fun, carnage. It would be great. <laughs> it would be Rambo. Yeah. It just, it's not. You know, some of these the election process. It's fun for a point, then it has to, it needs to get serious, yeah. and it doesn't feel like it's going that direction no. yet. I I, he, I could see he'll still do well in Iowa, New Hampshire, because I think that's where he, he's played everything. But I think the longer this goes, the more they see the pattern. And the more they see the pattern is we still haven't seen a lot of details come out of anything else he said he was going to do. No. But he was he's going to build the best wall ever. Have we, we haven't really seen a ton of the details about the best wall ever, and that was what, two months ago? Yeah. But they're coming. I think that's the point. It's just a lot of hype. But I think the media getting caught up in it's part of the problem too. We just gotta not care. 
today we got a great guest, by the way. Ravi, Dr. Ravi Chandra will be joining us uh, from San Francisco. He wrote a really incredible article, I thought, um, The Assault of the American Mind, which is more about these microaggressions that are happening on campuses where students on campus are easily offended. You can't say anything anymore without – it's all about kind of political correctness and trying to be non-offensive to everyone in the world. But it couldn't have happened at a better time because Donald's doing the same thing in a way. Everyone's kind of seemingly offended and Donald's using all this hype and rhetoric. So we're going to talk to a true blue expert about how we can change the dialogue in our world and what do we do in communication when two worlds collide. The fear of the Americans, for example, with the reality of uh, a Muslim world that's the majority of which are peaceful but a part of which are, are violent extremists. So how do we talk and actually have a healthier conversation? We'll be speaking with Dr. Ravi Chandra about that. But before we do that, let's get to the headlines, find out what's going on around the rest of the world. Terry? Thanks, Matt. Fallout from Donald Trump's comments. Continue Republican House Speaker Paul Ryan roundly denounced GOP primary frontrunner proposal to ban all Muslim immigrants from the U.S. This is not conservatism. What was proposed yesterday is not what this party stands for. And more importantly, it's not what this country stands for. Not only are there many Muslims serving in our armed forces dying for this country, there are Muslims serving right here in the House, working every day to uphold and to defend the Constitution. Trump did not back down from his comments on Tuesday and doubled down on the need to block Muslim immigration. We have to do the right thing. Somebody in this country has to say what's right. I have great respect and love. I have people that I have tremendous relationships with. They're Muslim. They agree with me 100%. It's short term. Let our country get its act together. That sound from ABC News. According to a new USA Today poll, a clear majority of Donald Trump's supporters say they would vote for him if he bolted the Republican Party for an independent run. Not only does Trump continue to lead the GOP field, says the poll, but 68% of his backers would vote for him as an independent. Just 18% say they would not. All others were undecided at the moment. So 68% mm. of his supporters would vote for him. Sure. In other news, the San Bernardino shooter, Syed Farouk and Tafshin Malik, allegedly spent over a year planning their attack, which killed 14 people, according to NBC News. Counterterrorism officials said the couple practiced it, uh, shooting at a gun range and made financial plans for Farouk's mother and the couple's daughter. There was a $28,500 deposit made in Farouk's bank account in the weeks before the attack, which investigators are examining. In other news, we've talked about this on the show, Bitcoin... A virtual yes. currency online. We had a guy yeah. come on explain how this could be the future of how we do interactions yeah. and money and all that. Australian police raided the home of a tech entrepreneur Wednesday just hours after two media reports identified him as one of the alleged developers of the digital currency Bitcoin. Wired.com and Gizmodo.com reported that Craig Wright is believed to be uh, what Satoshi Nakamoto, a pseudonym for the founder of the cryptocurrency uh, site, leaked transcripts of legal interviews and files. The Australian Federal Police said in a statement the raids were unrelated to the Bitcoin claims. Uh, Reuters report police were searching his office. He's also he's involved in a number of tech enterprises in Australia. The company record shows it's kind of a tax mm. fraud sort of investigation. Oh boy! But he could be the mysterious founder of Bitcoin. Net Newsweek did yeah. a whole thing where they went after him. They they had video and ended up the guy they went after wasn't even involved. <laughs> he had Bitcoin, but he wasn't the founder. That's of Bitcoin. not me. Um, also, if you cherish spending large parts of your day sifting through snail mail and email, there's some good news for you, Matt. What? 
The U.S. Postal Service will now send you emails every day that contain pictures of ever of the very same snail mail that you re- you'll receive hours later. So in your email, you get they're, they're proposing photos of your mail Why? as it passes through their system. Why? I don't know. They began testing the email system in Virginia in 2014. Now it's being expanded to the New York City uh, metro area. It's expected to keep spreading in 2016, apparently like a virus because that's how things spread, right? Yeah. Sign up is free, and you can see if you're eligible at uh, at their at their website, USPS. I guess. Well, what com. would be great then is when like my mom sends me something in the mail, if she would take a picture of it, then text me the picture and tell me that the mail is coming, yes. and then once it was in the mail, then they could send me a picture and say it will be here today. In, in effect, they're taking pictures anyways of the, fo- of uh-huh. the, of the mail for uh, possible criminal investigation if there's a problem, okay, right, so right. proof of where it came from. Yeah. But it just makes the snail mail slower when you start getting pictures that are documenting how right. slow it is to yeah. get to your house. It's like it's like when you're boiling a pot of water and they, you just have you know somebody keeps sending you pictures of how it's coming. Yeah, look, the water's now boiling. It's almost here. boiling. <laughs> Not yet though. Not yet. Isn't that weird? I guess yeah. that's their way to like be. Because you can you can take the tracking number and see where it is if you're interested in how long it's taking. But you know what they really house. ought to do? Quite honestly, they maybe the U.S. Postal Service ought to just open it. Then take pictures of it. Then send it to you. Okay. Then you've got it. Right. Then they don't even need to worry about sending it. Then just, just you've got it. Just print it. I mean, come on. I don't want pictures of my mail that's coming today. Oh man. <sighs> anyway, hey, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Dr. Ravi Chandra will be joining us from San Francisco. Uh, He has a great article in Psychology Today called The Assault on the American Mind. And uh, it's it's basically what you're seeing happening with Donald Trump. How do we take two opposing ideas, especially where people are highly sensitive and hurt and and impacted negatively? And how do we make these how do we have a dialogue around them instead of just having them collide and nobody understand what's what's really going on? How do we actually learn to talk about our differing opinions instead of just triggering each other and blowing each other up? How do we also manage our sensitivity about a bunch of uh, the issues that are going on today? We'll be talking with Dr. Ravi Chandra. Stick with us, folks. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, whether whether it's what you're seeing in the political arena right now with Donald Trump and the just the incra- just the crazy rhetoric we see being thrown around the offended people uh, or on campuses nationwide, where uh, people are pushing to erase and try to combat any form of you know. Oh, discomfort or offense. It seems like more and more people are just really sensitive right now. And is it really that more people are sensitive? Is it is it the fact that of how we communicate? Are we just a little more offensive in how we say what we need to say? Um, we wanted to talk to an expert on it, and we thought uh, we found a wonderful article called "The Assault of the American Mind" that we found in Psychology Today. It's a wonderful um, article written by our next guest, Dr. Ravi Chandra, who is a psychiatrist, 
from uh, San Francisco. He is um, a fellow of the American Psychiatric Association and a diplomat of the American Board of Psychiatry and Neurology. He also was the medical director of the Adult Outpatient Clinic at RAMS, uh, which is a community mental health center. Um, He wrote this article on Psychology Today. So if you go to Psychology Today, you can find uh, more of his writings there as well. And he joins us today to help us just sort through our dialogue, our communication, and, uh, you know, our, our, our offensive, maybe offense-taking and offense-delivering. So, Dr. Ravi Chandra, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Hello. Thank you for having me on. You bet. Uh, so excited to have you after reading this article. Really, it is, it's, a, it's just a really heady, great read about our sensitivity. On campuses, we're seeing more and more people taking what they call these microaggressions, where any little statement can be seen as offensive and uh and then all of a sudden the schools then you know then there's protest and they use social media to protest uh Dr. Chandra tell us what's what's really going on what's happening are we more sensitive today or are we just more offensive or are we communicating more what's happening well, I, I think that's the latter is exactly right. We uh, we are in an age of uh, of division and polarity. Uh, the Pew Charitable uh, Trust has has uh, uh, described that over the last twenty years, there's been a greater degree of political polarization and a lot more divisions between people. I think uh, things are have been happening obviously for years as different. Uh, Groups of people uh, meet and try to uh, understand each other, um, but right now there's just a, a, a decrease in the level of trust, um, and uh, so that these uh, these groups come into conflict more. Um, yeah, and uh, we're we're, uh, we're we're more likely to uh, spread instances of our dissatisfaction online, and as we know, online uh, anger is the most viral emotion. So mm. people are much more likely to gravitate towards angry messages and uh, messages that uh, somehow reflect how they feel, which is uh, overall this sense of lack of belonging, lack of trust. Uh, and, uh, and of course, in the last couple of years, the issues of racism and sexism have particularly been highlighted uh, in, in nationally with uh, all, all incidents uh, across campuses and, and uh, in the country. Mm. So it's such an interesting statement you just made. Anger is the most viral emotion. And That's so right. you see that with Donald Trump now. It's, it, he's fearful. I mean, you hear fear. You hear fear of his constituency. And then you hear some anger, and then it's responded to with anger, and then this anger creates the virility that, I guess, spreads it around and, it's, and makes it bigger and more right. angry. Right. I think that's, that's always been true, but, but especially now in, in the age of Twitter and Facebook, uh, these things were not actually face-to-face usually. Now, mm-hmm. when we're face-to-face, we can usually uh, uh, try to accommodate differences of opinion and anger and try to uh, kind of talk each other down, so to speak, and connect uh, despite differences. But when it's on a screen, uh, I think it just goes to a different part of our brain, and we just get uh, so activated, uh, and, uh, and then uh, we, 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 we just tend to divide into echo chambers. Mm. 
It's so true. Is this – I mean like we see it with the microaggressions on, on campus is one of the terms they use is microaggression where now you know anything can be offensive. And I guess now too with, with social media, we can actually create kind of an immediate protest about That's any right. offense. That's right. I, I think well, microaggressions are real. Yeah. They've been studied and people, people do uh, feel the impact of uh, – Minor things, which uh, which seem minor, but uh, for example, the question uh, "Where are you from?" Mm-hmm. Uh, to a person of a, a different ethnic background. Now, it might be innocuous, but depending on the context. But in some cases, uh, that statement with a certain kind of tone could imply uh, that even if the person was born here, even if their parents and grandparents were born in the United States. It could imply a sense of otherness. And so a lot of uh, people uh, uh, of ethnic backgrounds describe a feeling of never uh, belonging, of never feeling like they're accepted, uh, even though they are full-blooded Americans. Hmm. Um, and so, so these slight kinds of statements um, can always remind them of that, uh, that, that dominant uh, force which, uh, which excludes them. And so this gets to the point, I think, I think all the microaggressions are all a case of devaluing or separating, uh, and, uh, and it works against trust, and it works against that state of belonging, which I think is so important to diffuse tensions and, and to bridge the polarities. I guess that's what you see then, for example, in the country, is we don't there's – not, there's not kind of an inherent sense of one, of unity, of belonging to the whole. Absolutely. I think some politicians definitely uh, try, and other leaders try to bring that out, um, uh, but uh, but I think we're we're at a we're we're at a uh, a real nexus point, a real uh, point of challenge where you know obviously people like Trump are out there with the rhetoric of very defensive, self-centeredness, mm-hmm. nationalistic, uh, uh, purely or rather very narrowly nationalistic uh, ideology, and then there are other people who want to work towards inclusion and uh uh and that's that's kind of this uh this tension that's that we're riding out particularly in this election cycle it seems like you could also uh i mean i could use language of belonging language of inclusion language of you know a united america kind of thing but then the minute i take on a disparate view than you mm-hmm. it it it's going to it seems like it would then go sideways like it would just slip out of control well, it, again. It could seem like that, and I think that's the danger. That's the, uh, there, there's a phrase I, I often use, which is, you can either be right or you can be related. Um, you can be right or you can be happy. And, and this is the thing. We, we, can, you know, we can learn to respect our differences, be to disagree without being disagreeable, uh, and I think that's something that has to come about through real-world relationships. And it doesn't often happen online, which is why I, I actually just wrote a book, which hopefully will be published next year, about the psychology of social networks um, and trying to examine what happens to our mind and heart as we engage online. So I think mm-hmm. my main point is that, that real-world relationships is where we build compassion, empathy, understanding, and tolerance of difference. And it doesn't happen as easily online. So I think we, we, work, we walk into uh, somewhat dangerous territory when we start to live 
an hour or two of our lives on social media every day. Yeah, because I guess, like you were saying, it's not the face-to-face. Somehow we're different face-to-face than we are when we're, you know, I guess sitting in our pajamas taking someone on. Absolutely. I mean, people get very disinhibited when they um, when they're interacting online. They don't. They don't. Uh, uh, we're actually inhibited by seeing another person's face. We we uh, you know or or hearing their voice and their tone of voice. So these are all important uh, pieces of information for our brains. And um, yeah. So so I think it's uh, it's a problem when we're just looking at text on a screen. Mm. Fascinating stuff. Uh, Dr. Ravi Chandra is joining us um, from San Francisco. He's a, a psychiatrist there, has a, a, a strong practice there. If you go to the website, uh, sfpsychiatry.com, you can find out more about him. We're going to take a break, come back, and continue this discussion about uh, how, we, how we elevate our conversations, how we elevate, elevate our tolerance, um, maybe even expand our own resiliency to offenses of others. Um, and maybe do just do that by understanding others, you know, understanding what might be seen as offensive. Um, we need it right now. We need to elevate the discourse, don't we, uh, in the country, I think in the world, actually, and, and in our own lives. This is uh, it's an important topic for all of us. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Continue the discussion. Stick with us, folks. This is The Matt Townsend Show. friends to the Matt Townsend show. You know it I think conflict is normal, right? We just everyone's going to have conflict. We're going to run in to differing opinions, different points of view. There's times we're going to be offended. There's times we also need to be more sensitive, right? Uh, we're talking about an article that was uh, it's called The Assault on the American Mind. It's written by our guest Dr. Ravi Chandra that is talking basically about um, what you see with microaggressions, what you see, which are, you know, just these tiny little offenses that are real, where it's sometimes it's it's somebody that they can't believe you just ask them where they're from. Or you you say, you know, you, you use a phrase like, well, you people or whatever. There's a million different ways we can offend somebody. Not even just simply not even inviting a person to a party can be offensive. And when we're offended, we now have social media and so many other ways, mechanisms to then vent our offense, our, I mean, our, our pain, our frustration, that it, it actually then turns into bigger and bigger and angrier discourse and dialogue. So we've asked Dr. Ravi Chandra to join us today. And as a psychiatrist and an expert in, uh, you know, in this um, in the sense of creating community, of belonging, of changing our dialogue and our and our um, conversation, managing our sensitivities, uh, he's here. He's here to give us some light. So, Dr. Ravi Chandra, welcome back. Uh, thank you very much. Appreciate Again, having you. I mean, really, this is this doesn't go away, and we we hear story after story, um, and, and like. And almost sometimes like gotcha moments in the media that uh, tend to take off. Um, we've heard about what was happening at Yale with their, you know, with a Halloween costume situation. And uh, and and I mean, 
where do we go with all of this, Ravi? Where do we take – if I'm offended, what should I do? You know, instead of just getting online and 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 just starting to be mad or frustrated, or what should I do to make sure that I'm not as offensive to people that I don't even understand? Yeah, I I think the ultimate answer is uh, to increase empathy and compassion, self compassion and compassion for other people. Now, um, I don't I'm not totally against uh, obviously taking things online because right. I think. You know, the younger folks, especially these days, uh, are finding ways to protest and connect uh, in ways that uh, that uh, you and I didn't have when we were in college. Uh, uh, and uh, um, so, so that's fine, but uh, but it can't stop there. I think that's my point: is we can't just go online. And uh, our point is, you know, particularly uh, with. Uh, uh, situations on a college campus. Theoretically, uh, many of the people are aligned around student interests. And um, so there's, there's a sense of a loss of uh, trust uh, that, um, that, uh, that they could all be on the same page. Now, um, of course, there's a bridge to be divide, uh, 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 sorry, a divide that has to be bridged. So um, that's what the in-person, what I've been reading about, uh, the in-person communications uh, and uh, uh, so forth have been happening at Yale and Princeton and and uh, and other colleges. Um, uh, so that's so important to get some concrete uh, uh, changes and concrete recognition um, that there are problems online, that there are uh, uh, cases that uh, require administrative support uh, of students uh, of minority students. Um, so, um, so that's very important, and and to recognize that when someone's complaining, they're they're actually uh, giving you a, a a window into their inner world. Um, you may not understand that inner world, but but maybe just a little bit of humility for their experience. Okay, mm. they've experienced something. They're they're going through something which you don't understand, and and maybe you think from your perspective they're being uh, they're not correct or they're not you know they're too sensitive or whatever, but from their perspective, they're quite uh, uh, justified, and um, and I think no matter what the trajectory of that is, uh, I think the the only way to uh, to help somebody in that situation is to really uh, to connect, mm-hmm. to connect before you can uh, engage in any other dialogue, and maybe at some point you could uh, offer some uh, nuance or complexity or your side. Of um, of why you said something or why you didn't mean something, but but I think that has to come through conversation. But the first step is humility to another person's experience. Yeah, and, and I guess not assume you understand it. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, even if you if you really can't, uh, especially because um, we haven't walked in their shoes fully. But but I guess that's the problem with this is that we instead just say, "Oh, you're so sensitive." Holy cow. Black Lives Matter. They're just so sensitive to everything. Or we talk about PC, politically correct. So both of those, by the way, could be microaggressions, right? Sure. And yet sure. and yet, the reality is um, it's not just a sensitivity issue. It's also a lack of understanding. You make a really good point in your article that why should it fall to minority students to continually educate their peers? That's right. That's right. It's tiresome for them, and yet, uh, if you are a sensitive, let's say, a ma- uh, you know, white male, you might really truly want to understand, and yet you, we don't have those discussions. We don't, you know, you may not be getting enough information. I had a friend 
that um, uh, was an African-American, a black male. And I'm asking – we were talking one day and I go, so you're black? And he's like, I like to be called African-American. And I'm like, oh, OK. So great. So you're African-American. Well, then I thought, well, I guess that's just what we say. And we, I used it somewhere else and someone's like, I'm not from Africa. Right. And I'm like, right. holy cow, I can't win here. I don't know what to right. – so you're saying though I need to get out of my kind of shell and go have some face-to-face experiences where I can grow my compassion. I can grow empathy and understanding and awareness. Sure. And exactly. And, you know, that's, uh, that's right. And uh, I think – I think it's it's hard. I mean, this is complicated, and obviously, there are you know, you ask three people the same question, they might they might right. respond differently. Um, that which is important, uh, right? Because that means it's yeah. it's up to the individual. That's right. That's right. And 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 then then maybe out of that conversation could grow the realization amongst all of you that that it is confusing, it is complicated, yeah. that that uh, that uh, that uh, these kinds of things maybe maybe each person could be uh, a little less offended if somebody used the wrong term mm-hmm. because there is so much confusion uh, about it uh uh you know for that particular example but um uh, but uh, but i mean there's you know this takes a lot of uh resilience and a lot of uh internal work before one can hear things without being triggered by them um, and, and there's a saying in 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 uh buddhist circles uh when uh, don't take offense even when it is offered <laughs> um so that but that's that's actually a uh, it's a, it's a practice i mean that's very hard to do because usually what we hear is automatically uh sets into play a set of automatic thoughts and uh emotions and so forth and to actually uh get distance from that is is important, but it's it's a skill that has to be cultivated in therapy and uh, with other techniques, um, and uh, and with just maturity and uh, and so so this is uh, but, but and relationship I think mindfulness, compassion, and relationship are the three things that I I talk about to help people uh, improve their their ability to uh, to, uh, to 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 be happy despite negative things happening. Mm. Is yeah. is there uh, psychiatrically, as as a psychiatrist, is there a um, is there a tendency maybe today where we're more of us? And I'm not even talking about the minority. I'm, so, I'm talking about the minority and the majority. Are we are we kind of uh, do we see ourselves now more as victims overall? And does that make us more? Um, do we tend to then have selection bias where we tend to notice only the information and the data that maintains that minority or that victim mentality? You know, it's something that I, I really do wonder about sometimes because it, it's so powerful to be, uh, first of all, there are there are forces which are victimizing. Mm-hmm. There is, you know, there is yeah. oppression in the world, and that's very real. Racism, sexism, uh, gender discrimination, uh, uh, all, all, form, all these forms of uh, uh, interpersonal uh, uh, violence. But, um, but then it is possible to overread situations and uh, fall into a victim mentality, which is uh, which is uh, uh, which is hard to break out of because uh, you know it's not 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 every person is uh, kind of intending to uh, be an oppressor um, and uh, uh, but but if you carry a chip on your shoulder, sure you're going to see the world through a particular filter and um, it's going to become very threatening. I mean, I think there are some people who are on the far extreme of this. Uh, yeah. 
and it's uh, it does take uh, a lot of uh, a lot of work to to help them uh, get regain the trust uh, of society. And we do have trust that's broken down in so many important ways uh, um, that uh, that a lot of people do feel threatened, um, and that's that's the danger. So how to increase right. the size of the, the the trusting middle, the accepting, empathic, inclusive middle. I think mm. that's a very important challenge. Well, and that seems like a big deal that we're seeing in the media today, just because of the political races going on. We see everybody kind of in their extreme positions. And um, and then the media kind of highlights the extreme because the moderate average middle is probably more boring to the rest of it's not. It doesn't draw the attention sure. that the extremes do. To Does, be righteous and angry and uh, is much more uh, powerful. Yeah. Right. yeah. Is um, is there a limit to this idea of everybody just getting along and belonging? Is is it just a bridge too far to to well, to believe that we can really truly coalesce all of these different views? Yeah. Well, I, I I hope not. I don't yeah. think so. I think we're we're working towards a new level of belonging. I, I really do think that that these pressures are coming about uh, uh, because we are moving towards something. Uh, I mean, obviously, we have an African American president, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and uh, so and we potentially could have a a woman president yeah. next time. Uh, so that's that's a uh, you know a, a, these are major steps of inclusion um, and a change uh, or an expansion of the American narrative. So that's that, those are hugely important possibilities and and and, and realities. Um, uh, but of course, you know, within any group, uh, there's uh, there's there needs to be room for inclusion and acceptance of difference uh, where we come together. And then there's there must there you know every group has uh, an in, uh, needs for individuality where uh, you know people people need to have their own space, their own uh, autonomy, etc., without being troubled by the group's demands mm-hmm. as well. So there's always a tension, and for different people, um, that's going to uh, vary. Some people will be more willing to be part of a group, um, but then I think we all need to detach from groups in order to have our own thing, too. But we all have, they're all, we're, we're probably all a member of a certain number of groups, our family, our religious communities, uh, uh, or our uh, interest groups, and so forth. So so we're all members of groups in some way, and uh, and I think that's something that actually has eroded over the last uh, 20, 30 years, um, as sociologists have described, is that we're we're less group affiliated, mm-hmm. and we have fewer uh, 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 near and dear friends. Uh, it used to be we had we all had uh, three uh, uh, dear friends, uh, or that we could. Uh, we felt totally comfortable with. Now it's down to two. Mm. So um, these things have, uh, uh, you know, changed, and maybe we can change uh, change again. But, uh, but it's going to take some work. Yeah, and I guess too, generationally, we keep hearing about the millennials. You know, those eighteen to thirty-four year olds that are much more empathic, much more open-minded. So I wonder if that's also not you know, throwing us a little bit for a loop because it used to be the older generation was more rigid. and uh-huh. But this younger generation is so empathic and open-minded that it's it's allowed, it seems like, facilitated some very interesting movement in like the LGBT world. And in uh, so that openness maybe just needs to somehow 
you know, f- channel up, float sure. up to the other generations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that's always been the case. In the 60s, it was don't trust anyone over 30. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the younger folks have developed their own language about and their own ways of protesting things. And, uh, you know, it's their way of protesting the world, which they think that the grown-ups uh, gave them. <laughs> and, uh, and sometimes this was, you know, this is what we got saddled with, too. And, and, and so, so I think, you know, they, they, they are, uh, you know, I think in many cases much more connected and, and aware of issues. And so that's good. But, but, but I think, you know, hopefully we can have some intergenerational communication yeah. as well. Because uh, I think uh, people over 30 have a lot to uh, say as well. That's right. Hey, as we wrap this up, Ravi, um, teach just to, what can I do? What can, if I'm the average guy just out there listening on the show anywhere in the country, um, and I'm, I'm hearing Donald say stuff that really bugs me, and yet, um, and, and I don't want to just be mad and I don't want to go just spew hate. Um, and this could be on any issue in the world, not just the Donster. What can I do? What can the give us the one thing that might be a great place to start for the individual to change the dialogue in, around me? Well, I'd say have a conversation. Uh, try to explore the issue. Uh, educate yourself, but explore the issue uh, with other people uh, in real time, and don't limit your. Uh, outrage to the online world Hmm. um so and uh in in conversation stay humble and stay related and i think that's the only way to uh to really uh bring people back into the fold uh even when they might you know we might have relatives who agree with donald trump and and uh and to at least give them a sense that uh they that there are people around them who don't don't follow that uh viewpoint Mm -hmm. um it's important, um, yeah. and, and and do it on a personal level, eye to eye. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, face to face. Yeah, and that's where you have influence. Um, powerful stuff. Well, we appreciate you, Doctor Ravi Chandra. Uh, go to his website, folks. Sam uh, SF Psychiatry, SF Psychiatry dot com. Great information, resources, lots of wonderful reading there, and you can find out more about his work. Ravi, thank you again. Uh, thank fa- you. Fantastic, uh, fantastic article. And I'd, I'd suggest everybody just go look it up, The Assault on the American Mind. It's on psychologytoday.com. It's also on our Twitter account, at Dr. Matt Show, if you want to go find it there as well. We'll take a break, my friends, and uh, come back, uh, finish up this uh, first hour of the show. Continue the dialogue a bit. Try to elevate the conversation if we can and uh, giving you the tools you need to lead a healthier life, a happier life. Stick with us, folks. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Hey, welcome back, friends. Just had a great interview with uh, Dr. Ravi Chandra. When you think about, uh, just think about the dialogue, the discourse that's going on, whether it's Trump or anyone. I don't, I mean, I, I beat up on Trump, but man, I don't, it's not about Trump. It's about the discourse. It's about the dialogue. We, a lot of times we just can't, we can't say something without either offending someone or, uh, you know, maybe 
facilitating more of a polarized conversation. So one of the assignments I'll give you just as your coach is there are certain people that, I mean, there's always going to be the extreme person, right, that we can't control what they're saying. They're just, and you don't want to control it, but we can't, they're going to just say offensive things. There are, however, other people, and you may be one of them, that have the ability to um, understand, you know, a specific issue. For example, you may be the parents of uh, a lesbian child, a homosexual child, okay? And you have a really important role, and you may even be, you know, in a conservative church. And you have an incredible insight into your child and the struggle that they've had in trying to be, you know, trying to make it through life while struggling not being accepted as a homosexual in your faith group or whatever. There's an important role that you have to play to maybe educate the rest of us and to do it without polarizing it. And I think there's, there's, I call it just bridge building. Everybody has somewhere where you have unique experience, where you might have a, a better insight into diversity or into the Muslim community, and you're a Christian that understands the Muslim community a little bit more because of family or relatives or marriage or whatever's happened. Anytime any of us have insight into other groups, help the rest of us by sharing and building bridges to these groups. Don't don't become a person that polarizes the argument by just throwing more wood on the fire and 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 divide us. Help help those people that you know don't understand. Help them understand more by, as Ravi taught us, talking, communicating, having a relationship. How powerful could the parents who have gone through the trials of a homosexual child be at bridging back to their church or their community those trials, especially to the people that don't understand those trials? There's there's just a natural bridge there. And I think if each one of us would step up and just be bridge builders— we could we could start to maybe create some ground of unity and and togetherness you know maybe it's naive but at some point instead of just jumping on the bandwagon and then beating up the opposition if you have the ability to understand both sides of the argument start bridging those gaps make sense on any issue of difference um and we need to do that more with what's going on with Donald Trump bridge the gaps Anyway, we'll take a break, folks. That's the first hour of the show. We'll be back next hour. More ideas, more tools to help you live longer and love stronger. This is The Matt Townsend Show. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your life coach, your guide on the side. Top of the morning to you. Got a great show for you. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about simplifying Christmas. Mm. Mm. You got to simplify it. You know, you just. So uh, how many parties is too many parties? Well, I think one. I mean, you have work parties. 
You got it, yeah. And if you have one, and then maybe then you got family parties. Your right? spouse has one, right. and then there's a family party, and then there might be some sort of religious thing that goes yeah. on, and maybe a neighborhood thing. The and, you know the penitentiary uh, right. you know, reunion party. You got <laughs> so a block B wants to get back so together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got a lot of different parties. Plus, just the pressures yep. and the expectations. One way to do it, according to MarketWatch.com, is just quit tipping. Yeah. You don't have to tip. Just don't do that. Are you a big tipper? Uh, I do it disgruntledly. Yeah. I don't, an, I don't, I don't understand how we set up an industry that you underpay the staff right. and then you require the people that come and purchase the product to pay extra for the fact that those people work at the establishment. It just it doesn't seem like it yeah. makes sense. And, and there are places that have you stopped tipping – they raise the prices, they pay the employees more, and they have more business. But the the, the but amount then you still tip. But no, there's no tips. Well, I know, but don't you still feel compelled the, to? No, because they say no tipping, oh, and they, they tell, mean, you, they not tell to. you this is the way the business is set up. Yeah, but I they, like that. They one. raise the prices on all like the entrees or whatever. Mm-hmm. The amount that, that like a twenty percent tip would be. Hmm. So you're you're paying nice. a tip anyways. It's just, li- there's no. Tip I like at the tipping end. at restaurants, but. This article talks about the fact that 30% of Americans say they don't plan to give out any holiday tips, I guess, for other, you know, things. Yes. Like, do you tip, like, do you tip your manicurist? I don't have one, so no. <laughs> your hairstylist? Is, yeah, I mean. Chuck the barber. Well, I, I go to the same place, so they'll know, they'll see me coming and know that I'm a bad tipper. Give me you a bad what? haircut next time. This so. is actually really bad because – the list says manicurist you should tip twenty five to fifty dollars or a gift. Hairstylist fifty to a hundred dollars. A barber, personal trainer, housekeeper, au pair. By the way, I don't have any of those in my life. I'm horrible. You just go to a place to get your hair cut. My wife cuts my hair. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Fantastic. My mom used to cut my hair. Did does she? Yeah, not anymore. Because she was a yeah. beautician, so she had all the equipment. We just set up in the kitchen. She'd go to town. And- yeah. My wife, I've been trying to teach her that a lot of times, like when you go to a barber, sometimes they'll like, you know, rub your neck. Yeah. Massage your shoulders. I ask them not to. Yeah. But if it was your wife. Sure. So I keep saying, you know, you could, you could, you know, rub my neck. Well, then I'd get annoyed because I'd kind of want to get this over with. I probably have something else I want to (laughs) do. So hurry it up. Ours is great because I can just watch (laughs) TV. You know, it's, we have five boys. So they just, we just line up. It's like. It's like when you're shearing sheep. It's just sheep shearing oh, yeah. time. But you're supposed to – you could maybe – you don't tip your teacher, but you could give a gift to the I, teacher. I, I can see that. Your kids' teachers, we, babysitter. We, we give a gift to our uh, our daycare provider. Yeah. I mean – Stuff like that. But about 30% of people aren't – they're not playing that game. Hmm. Now, I don't want to add pressure to your life. Yes. But go ahead. But you got to know they're looking at you like, hey, what about me? What about me? I, I, I want like when I get my hair cut, there's a tip. We don't have some sort of personal relationship. I have yeah. a there's – there's 15 of you and I have a new person <laughs> cut my hair every time I walk in the door. Uh, you're, I know. I don't even know you at Great Clips. I mean I know the I name. I don't know who you are. Yeah, it's like, I mean, hey, how you doing? You're still here? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Um, we don't want to add more pressure to the season. But as uh, we talked about a little before the show, like your, your, the, the, your post person, your mail delivery yeah. person – do you even see that person? No. They drive by in their truck, yeah. drop it off, and keep driving. Right. Don't Whereas before, there was a personal, you know, years oh, totally. back, they'd come to your house. Yeah, you know their name. Hey, Ray. Yeah. 
they'd, yeah, they'd walk up. I, I had a person that would make sure you got the package. Yeah. And, and I think that's where this – that sort of here's a Christmas gift kind of, of mentality came from is because there was a personal relationship with that person. They mm-hmm. came to your door every day. Yeah. And See, now, yeah. now we don't have that because the mailbox is out of the street. Just put it in there. I mean that's the question. Do you tip your Amazon customer service rep? I don't even see a person with Amazon. I click buy. Stacy, I want to send you a gift card. Uh, what? Where can I send that? <laughs> and like the the delivery guy, he just drops the package at the door, knocks on it, and he's in his truck and gone before yep. I open the door. Beep beep. So hey, we'll see you. Yeah, yeah. We need to just make it easier. Life should be easier today. In fact, you notice I what I noticed. Uh, Ben has made his life a lot easier. Today. Yes. Have you noticed that? Filling in for Ben, Garrett Rushforth is on on the board with us. How are you, Garrett? Doing well, thanks. What's the deal with Ben just sitting in the corner looking over your shoulder all hour? This is creepy. Well, um, I don't know. He just he just told me, you know, I'm just getting tired of the bullying. Yeah. Mm. And 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 the uh, it is kind of quite oppressive. The hazing. The, show. Yeah. the hazing. Yeah. The hazing. And so we wanted someone who spoke uh, a higher tongue other yeah, yeah. than German to yeah, just yeah. come in. What and tongue do you speak? I speak Portuguese. Wow. There you go. That is a. Is that a higher tongue? I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know what the hierarchy of language is. <laughs> well, that, it's good to have you, Garrett. And what I like about it is uh, you're pushing all the buttons right. I mean, this is fantastic. Yeah, I haven't messed up yet, yeah. but here, we're, I need to knock on wood. Garrett, do you make ice cream? Um, I used to. Mm. What is the deal with ice cream I don't know. makers? There's yeah. a lot of them. I usually you, just get mine at the store. Usually uh, on the first or second day of a new board op, they usually bring us a gift. I mean – isn't that right, Terry? It's, it, like, it's kind of a, a peace much. offering. Yeah. Oh, well, I was actually planning on simplifying my holiday, oh. um, and mm. uh, I'm actually part of that 30%. Oh, you are? Okay, okay. So just just so you know. Um, well, humbug to you too. Well, you know what we ought to do is uh, get the duct tape. We're okay. we go back to hazing. We'll go back to hazing. <laughs> I mean, if you're not going to try to buy us off, <laughs> we'll just fine. haze you. That's fine. That's where Ben is right now. In fact, Ben has actually been having his duct tape wounds treated. It's easy. It's, it's, duct they, tape burns can be very, uh, very difficult to recover from. I didn't. I had no idea that it stuck that well. It's amazing. Well, and then the therapy afterwards. Oh, the emotional the, yeah. trauma and the from infection. That sort of thing. Right. That was bad. Bad stuff. Hey, happy uh, National Pastry Day as well. You got to love that. Who, who doesn't? Who doesn't like a good pastry? That's right. <laughs> who doesn't like a good pastry? Anyway, in a minute, we're going to be bringing on one of our great contributors, Heather Ann Johnson. Hadge, we call her, from uh, the website familyvolley.com. She's she's on faculty here at Brigham Young University. She's going to teach us some keys to simplify your holiday season with your family, how to kind of tone it down and maybe actually bring the spirit up, heaven forbid. But before we do that, let's get to the headlines with Terry South. Terry, what's going on around the world? Thanks, Matt. Time magazine is named German Chancellor Angela Merkel Person of the Year for asking more of her country than most politicians would dare, for standing firm against tyranny as well as expedience, and for providing steadfast moral leadership in a world where it is in short supply. Under Merkel's leadership, Germany is on course to accept one million refugees in 2015. This from Time Magazine, by viewing the refugees as victims to be rescued rather than invaders to be repelled, the woman raised behind the Iron Curtain gambled on freedom. The pastor's daughter wielded mercy like a weapon. You can agree with her or not, but she is not taking the easy road. Leaders are tested only when people don't want to follow. Mm. That's a great honor. 
So there she is. That's cool. That's quite. That's year. a good surprise. Now to someone who thought he should be person of the year, uh, <laughs> Donald Trump. He's uh, constantly I mean, over the last few months. He's made inflammatory comments. The media rushes to be outraged, yeah. and it's this evil this cycle that continues. Pattern. And we're in the middle of one again. Many people have spoken up against his recent ban Muslims comment. Along with this, from White House Press Secretary Josh Earnest yesterday at the White House. The fact is, the first thing a president does when he or she takes the oath of office is to swear an oath to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. And the fact is that what Donald Trump said yesterday disqualifies him from serving as president. Is mm. Trump disqualified? Apparently by the White House. Apparently by Joshua. Wasn't he always disqualified by the White House? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Just kind of an interesting comment. To the increasing concern of the Republican Party, Donald Trump appears to be in the presidential race for the long haul. There are only 53 days left until the Iowa caucuses, and he remains the frontrunner by a wide margin. Speaking to the Washington Post, Trump uh, confirmed that he has no plans to leave the race. Hmm. Uh, a reporter asked Trump, there is another side to the you're always a winner thought because you're always a winner. You won't face the prospect of losing. As we get closer to Iowa and Ted Cruz or someone else looks like they're going to win, then you're going to back out. Only to have Trump confirm that he says, I can handle it. I am never backing out. Never backing out. So the reporter out. sort scary. of infers like, so mm-hmm. someone else is going to win then you're just going to run away. And he's like, no. No, no. I'm never backing out of this race. Red rum. I am here forever. <laughs> forever. So he's, That's he's committed to Trump, the cause. Trump is not disqualified until the people disqualify him. That's how it works. Excellent. So People get on it. Representative Andre Carson from Indiana, who is uh, one of only two Muslim members of Congress, said that he received a death threat on Tuesday in the wake of increasing Islamophobic rhetoric mm. in the United States. Speaking to CNN... He says, what concerns me is you have the demagoguery taking place from people who are seeking to become president of the United States. You have other politicians who are joining the bandwagon and who are fanning the flames of bigotry. That's what we just talked about the whole first hour. Elevate the conversation, folks. The Fox Business Channel picked up another GOP debate from uh, the uh, Republican National Committee yesterday. On uh, January 14th, they will host... A second one in North Charleston Coliseum Performing Arts in, I believe, North Carolina. Hmm. So Boy. another debate there. They did a good job. They liked yeah. what Fox Business News did, so they're going to bring them it back, another give them another shot. There was no real fallout from that, like the CNBC debate or Fox News, and right. so they're going to go that way. Also, the federal government has spent nearly $4 billion in the last eight years to increase its roster of public relations staffers and retain the services of high-end PR firms. Hmm. So for $4 billion, how is the government doing on their public relations? <laughs> That's the question there. Per an audit yeah. conducted by Open the Books, there is currently 3,092 PR staff in the federal government, which marks a 15% increase over the pre-2007 count. While some of the resulting PR may produce uh, increased transparency in government, the Watchtower organization cautioned that many agencies use this bolstered PR budget for less positive purposes. Federal agencies not only resist transparency, but they pretend to be transparent when in reality they are engaging in self-promotion. The report noted, too often they use their charge to disclose information as a cover for public relations campaigns that are designed to advance their interest, i.e. their desire for more funding, for higher salaries, those types of things, rather than the public interest. Yeah, you could see that, like the IRS uh, talking about the fact that they don't 
their computers. They don't have enough technology and computers. They need more funding. We need to fund more of the IRS. So they they turn into spin doctors uh-huh. instead of PR, which, which just is kind of the to same go thing. get more money and more funding. Yeah, and yet we're paying for their job. To where get the idea more is supposed to be transparent, so we know what our government yeah. is doing, and instead they're just trying to get a raise. This is actually, I guess, why it self perpetuates. Right, government will just keep self perpetuating more government, more government. Just keeps growing. This is why you need a Donald Trump in there, because he's like a wrecking ball. He's like he, – he'll go in like a wrecking ball. Uh, anyway, and tear it down. We are going to continue the discussions um, about Christmas. We got to get to this idea of how do we simplify and, and actually maybe get more to the spirit of Christmas with our kids. How do we lead Christmas uh, instead of letting all the marketers, all of the you know the vendors lead us? Coming up next, Heather Ann Johnson from FamilyVolley.com. She's going to enlighten us about uh, how to take our families back at Christmas time, simplify and uh, focus us on what's most important. Stick with us, friends. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Hey, friends, you worried about Christmas? Have you ever noticed sometimes that uh, Christmas takes you over, takes your family over, it leads you, uh, you know, your kids know what they want, we get caught up in all of the stuff we've got to do, all the activities, all of the presents, all of the things the kids want, and maybe we lose ourselves, we might even lose our family. So joining us today, again, is our contributor, Heather Ann Johnson, Hadge, we call her. And uh, she is joining us. Her, her website, you got to go check it out, familyvolley.com. Uh, Heather is an adjunct faculty member here at Brigham Young University. She's been teaching for the last 12 years, and she teaches principles behind successful families and the importance of families spending time together. Hadge, how are you? Oh, I'm great. It's good to be here. Oops, are you ready for the holiday? No. I'm not to either. To be honest, we're not, I'm not close. I'm not, not yet. I'm wondering if... Santa maybe won't come this year. <laughs> you know, by the time we're done talking today, we'll realize that there's better things to give our kids than Santa anyway. I hope so. So is you're it, okay. And is it less expensive? Uh, it can be, sure. Possibly. There's a chance. There's a chance. But the memories will last forever. Yeah, they'll they'll be there longer. Where the toys, it's wasted money. Right? Oh, yeah. Where the experience is, is, isn't. So it, it all works out in our minds. We feel much better about spending the money. <laughs> Do you ever have that deal where you have like – that last-minute panic or guilt. You've already kind of bought everything, but then you think, "Yes, maybe the, the, we need more. Right. Or maybe we forgot something. And or... so then you just go one more time and buy a lot of junk. Right. <laughs> to make up for it. I do that all the time. Yeah. And then now you're really irritated uh, oh, because yeah. last minute you spend a lot of money on junk. And, it, and it's just going to be useless. Yeah. It doesn't help you. This is such a great time of year. It, yeah. It really, it really is. is. It's such a great – the feeling in the air and the feeling in our homes – is so fantastic. And one of the reasons I think it's so powerful is because this time of year is filled with rituals. Mm -hmm. And we know that these family rituals, they make up not just our childhood, but our future. This is when we talk to adults, their happiest memories are of family rituals, of those things that they did, those patterned interactions. And we know there's so many benefits to them from the connection and the predictability. It's where we teach our children. It builds a sense of identity, all these things. But what tends to happen is the materialism... And the busyness 
takes over and taints our rituals. Mm, totally true. And so all of a sudden, the real meaning and the real experiences of the season are lost because we are so busy worrying about the gifts, worrying about, you know, making every party and everything and doing all of that and having 50 million lights and three trees in different rooms, <laughs> keeping up with the Joneses or keeping up with what Pinterest or I TV know. tells us. Who and are these Joneses? I don't know. I can't stand them. <laughs> they ruin a lot of families, they I'll tell so you. Do. And I don't even know a Jones family. <laughs> I don't think I do either, I, don't I, think, I think they're in someone else's neighborhood, but they are a problem. They are. They are just a problem. So today we are going to work through – and. Remember, this is some soul searching. Yeah. This is deciding we're going to actually dig down and and really evaluate what matters. Mm-hmm. And so we can no longer say it matters. Now we're going to have to actually kind of put our like – Show it. Right. Do it. Right. But this is why we wanted to do it early because you've got time to right. adjust. Right. And to make those changes. Yeah. So here's the first thing we're going to do. As kind of you're listening, thinking about your day today, going about your day, whether it's at work or at home, we want to start by creating a perfect vision in our minds – of what the holidays look like. And it doesn't have to be Christmas. Maybe it's Hanukkah for you. Right, or right. maybe New Year's is kind of your big thing with family. Whatever it might be. This should be ideal. Not what the media tells you. Not what your grandparents did. What you truly mm-hmm. feel is ideal. And this can be done with our spouse and with our kids too. To where we really ask them, what are your goals? What is an ideal? Oftentimes, you know, we, we get in this hustle and bustle when really our ideal would be to do nothing Christmas right. morning but oh. sit quiet with one another Just with new books, yeah. right? Or or some hot chocolate and, you know, our favorite thing on movie on TV, whatever it might be. Yeah. So we're coming up with a with a perfect ideal. Now, we've used this this tool before, but one of the things that I love to have families do is I love to have them write down their needs and their values. So divide your paper in half once you've created this vision, this perfect you know, holiday vision in your mind and write down the needs and the values of your family. Hmm. Once you do this, this will now become your goals. Recognize that your value system, this this is what we profess to believe right. and stand for. Right. Now, I use profess because sometimes we say we stand for it, but oh. our actions show yeah. that we, we don't. We don't right. right. And our needs are the same thing. So write those things down with your family. You can use that, this modality in really any aspect of your family or personal Give life. us an example of a – so when I make the perfect vision for the holiday, needs? Right. So it can be the needs of your family. Okay. Right? It could be as, like as we, Yeah, we might be tired. We need to break. We need to sure. just relax. Sure. It could also be around the holidays. Maybe you're thinking gift-wise and you're thinking, well, everybody needs new socks. Yeah. And so that's truly that, a need for interesting. us. Yeah. Right? And so then we're going to go to our value system and we're going to think about not just the values we stand for, but what are those values that we want our children to learn? Mm. What do our, what are those values that we want our family to, to stand for, to live, yeah. right? And so once we've done this, we now have our goals for the holidays and really for life, for right. year, all right. year long. But we have our, our holiday goals. Here's the next question. And this is where we start to soul search. We have to decide if our holiday celebration focuses on the parts of the holiday that we feel are most important. Are the actions, are what we do during the holidays really focusing on what we just wrote down, are our values Hmm. and our needs? Now, for example, maybe we wrote down that service is something that our family feels is very important. 
But during the holiday season, we never find a single time to serve anyone, let alone each other. Right. 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 Or maybe we profess, you know, in our family, Christ is the reason for us to celebrate this season in our home. But our, is our family so busy that we never have time to speak of him right. or to learn of him or, you know, it, to worship him, to do any of those things? Uh, maybe it's as as tactical as you believe in conserving energy and your family stands for that. Uh-huh. Yet, to keep up with those Joneses, You've got the, you have lights blazing yes. outside and you've got trees blazing inside. Uh-huh. And Santa's moving it's everywhere. It's exactly right. And that energy bill for December and the first two weeks Isn't of January skyrockets. And so now we're looking at it and saying, wait a second, but I'm a conservationist, but nothing I do during the holidays so, shows that. So I, I'm really not because but if I, do I was – use lower energy light bulbs. Right. <laughs> so that makes it all OK. <laughs> so this is where we're, we're really digging down deep. If we want this season to be what we really want it to be, yeah. we have to decide that we're going to actually act and do those things that support who we say we are. Hmm. Now, if we want the lights blazing, then we should probably stop yapping to everybody that we're conservationists right. because – no, you're not. Well, but right? what if what if I'm a conservationist <laughs> eleven months of the year? Well, okay. Isn't that interesting? But see, because that would that's how we justify right. it is. But this is Christmas. It's exactly right. And that that's in everything. You might be big into saving money. Sure, sure. But, except at Christmas, we go in debt. Right, and that's okay. But don't profess to be a saver right. and don't right. So so we have to decide. And you're going to pay because if you truly value conservation, right, and you don't live it. You're you're the one that's out of integrity. You're going – it'll bug you. Right. It will bug you. And understand that it's that bugging that then stresses us out mm-hmm. during the holiday season. That's right. So we've come full circle. Now we see why we're stressed out. Well, we're stressed out because we saved for 11 months. Now we just went into debt for Christmas, which goes against what our right. what our inner principles stand for. Oh, see, you're, Heather, you are going to ruin Christmas no, with this. No, no, no. Because no. now I'm going to be all <laughs> – I'm a loser. I am so – but the reality is none of us do this type of work. No, we don't. We just hope the season happens. Right. And and we let it happen to us instead mm-hmm. of taking charge of it. Whenever we let anything happen to us, there come – therein it lies the stress mm-hmm. and the frustration. You know, I've had plenty of times now as an adult with a family where Christmas ends and I think – Wait a second. Oh, yeah. It's over. That didn't feel the way I wanted right, it to feel. Right. And so we really want to take that step back and simplify. And that's what we're doing, right? right? We're, right. we're soul searching to do that. So we've got to this point. We're going to start asking a couple questions again for less stress. Do we ask these? So you're saying we could ask these by ourselves or we could just sit as a family and discuss we this? We can do both, right? It'd be Often, great. Oftentimes it works really well if you do it with yourself and with your spouse first so that you have a general understanding of where. Yeah, where the you're underlying going. principles are for your mm-hmm. family. And then you can sit down with your kids and involve them. Let them say, this is really important to me. Hear them out. You'll start to learn that a lot of the things we do, they don't care about. Yeah, yeah. And yet some of the things we do, they hold dear and will till they die. They'll mm-hmm. do it with their kids and hope their grandkids. And so when we speak with them, they can tell us these things are vital Mom, I don't really care about those things. Right. And wouldn't it be great to have your child wipe eight things off your list that kept you up till two in the morning yeah. that don't really matter? Well, how many times do you just spend all this time making cookies and brownies and fudge oh, and yeah. all of this stuff and yet – It doesn't matter. No one's even eating it. No one you're cares. You're giving it away I guess. Right. But it's important because if it's not working – We don't need it. Yeah. It causes stress. It right? might be better to buy it, sure. give it away. Sure. And instead spend the time making something that 
you can use and do with your family. Right, and be together doing. So this is where we're at. We're going to now kind of put a plan into action to get rid of the stress. And so there are four things. We're going to first write down every single thing we do to celebrate this season. Cool. I want I mean everything. Every last thing. From decorating a tree, remember the wreath, if you give your neighbors gifts, if you do elf on the shelf, you know, if you do Hanukkah, whatever it might be, if you're making potato latkes or dreidels, write down every last thing yeah. you do. Now we're going to take those things, every one of them, and we're going to put them into four different categories. The first category is the things that we can get rid of altogether. Just wipe out, just cross off right. the list, right? So an example of this for our family, a couple years ago when Elf on the Shelf got really big and, yeah. you know, hit By the, the way, can I just ask you on that? Has your Elf on the Shelf appeared yet? No. Ours hasn't even showed up no, yet. No, no, no. Ours when showed does up, he show up? Well, ours showed up briefly. Oh, uh-huh. And then we decided that it made the get rid of altogether list. We don't want it. Really? We don't want Elf so on the Shelf. So you asked your Elf on the Shelf to leave? Yes, well, we dismissed him as well. We you laid off your elf on the shelf. Yes, we did. He was laid off. I am sure there is another house that picked <laughs> oh him right up. I doubt it. I think there was a lot of work. The economy's kind of hard right now. <laughs> that poor elf. We got rid of him when the economy for elves was booming. Well, do we you know okay. it was weird because when I was driving here, I did see an elf with a little sign that said, Will Elf for Food. <laughs> Will work for food. It, it was weird. probably ours. Was that yours? It might have been. Don't yeah, tell him, though. That was weird. And we just disappeared into <laughs> He doesn't know. We changed our address. <laughs> if you if you are looking for an elf on the shelf, give us a call, one eight five five chat Yeah, really. We've got one. So he, that made our get rid get of rid altogether of list, right? Yeah. We started to look at it. And first of all, to be honest, it didn't match up with our value system. Not because it was bad. Yeah. It's not bad. It's fantastic. It just wasn't right for what our needs and values for the Johnson family yeah. are. And so we got rid we were done with that tree. You we don't just need it. Terminated we him. did. We terminated the elf. So that's the first thing. You're gonna take everything you do, you're gonna create or look at these four categories and say, first of all, what can I get rid of altogether? That's great. The next thing we're gonna do is we're gonna write down or kind of file all the th- ways that we can enlist help to make these tasks easier or more fun. So first, what can you get rid of? Then what can you get some help with? Mm. Now, in our home, interestingly enough, I have always decorated the Christmas tree. And it it was really more of a a control thing. I mean, sure, I let our kids put things on here and there. But you'd move them and put them where they needed to It's exactly right. As soon as they (laughs) let, you know, I – and I wanted it – you know, you don't put all the red balls in one big clump in one place. No, no. You just can't do those things. And so I would decorate it. And when it came to us kind of soul-searching our season here, I had to come up with some things that people could help me with. And I thought, you know what? The tree – takes me a long time yeah. and it's stressful. Maybe they could help here. Mm. And so two years ago, I turned this over to our children. Now, what's really cool about it is I didn't just hand them the ornaments and hope they didn't break and hope my heirlooms right. from my grandma made it. And right. Instead, I taught them. They know that you don't clump all the red balls yeah. together, spread them out. Right, they know the stories behind every ornament now and where they came from and why they matter so much to me. They know how to care for things like the icicles that might break and mm-hmm. they know how to package them back up. And the stress that has taken off me That's is monumental. Huge. Yeah. So I enlisted help. I can sit back and sure, I supervise and we're doing it as a family, but it allows me to go do other things at the same time, like make some caramel corn and hot chocolate for yeah. everybody to have after. After. When not before. before right? Not before. <laughs> not before. When before there was so much stress in trying to 
do it all myself. Right. So that's your next category. What are the things that they can help you with and let them? And let them do it. So so you we've done two so far. Get right. rid of, get rid of the task altogether. So you're going to write down everything you've got to do for Christmas. Right. You're going to then go through the list and, and, and either categorize and them. categorize it into one of four categories. The first one is to get rid of it altogether. The second one is get help with it or delegate it. Let's take a break, though, and come back, Heather, and I want you to teach us the other two. And then what else do we need to do? Sounds good. To simplify the season, folks. And really, if you're listening and hearing what Heather's saying, it's also it's getting your kids more engaged. It's helping them kind of own and become more responsible through the process. Powerful, powerful stuff. Stick with us, folks. Uh, Giving you uh, hopefully a little hope, some guidelines for the season so you don't lose yourself or your family. Stick with us. This is The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. To the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, uh, today we're talking with Heather Ann Johnson, Hadge we call her. We always try to soak in Hadge as much as we can. She's got some great information. She's on faculty here at Brigham Young University and uh, does uh, what she can to teach us how to be better parents. She, If you go to her website, familyvolley.com, you can get some great information and ideas for how to, you know, how to be a healthy, happy family. Uh, she also has um, a book, Family. What are the Family Fun Fridays? Yep. That you finished. Also, she'll be. Um, she's going to be putting out another book, Family Fun Saturdays, Family Relaxing Day of Rest Sundays, <laughs> yeah. and now a new book on the holidays: How to Kick Back and Let Your Kids Do the Work. Do everything right. That's a great. Deal. <laughs> it is. It does sound like a good gig. It does. You know what's funny with the with the holiday season? Where is it written or where does it say that parents or in particular usually the mom has to do everything? Is oh. there like a rule? Yeah. it's. I think it's in Genesis. Really, that's where it says it, right? It's in the Old Testament. Right? Somewhere. The really Old Testament. <laughs> a different version than yeah. I read. Totally. It See, doesn't say that. It doesn't. But like you even said, sometimes it, it doesn't – but it's – it it doesn't matter if we wanted to do it because sometimes you couldn't get a mom to let someone else do it. Right, to let it go. They right? want to do it. It's got. If we're going to do it, we got to do it right, which right. usually means we have to do it mom's way. Right. But the thing is, when we when we think that way, we actually lose the feeling of what we're trying exactly. to do. Right. By bringing then you're our exhausted, to, and right. then you don't like your family. Right. And we don't like the season, mm-hmm. and we don't celebrate, and we're back to stress a lot, a lot of stress. This idea that I need to present some sort of perfect holiday for my family creates stress because you know what? I am not perfect, never right. will be, right. and nor will our seasonal yeah. celebrations. Oh, but there's a lot of weird pressure in our neighborhood. Just everyone puts their lights up, right? Sure. Well, I'm not a handyman. Okay. So you hire out. I don't own a ladder. I have an elf that could help you. Do you? I do. I need I'll that send elf. Him your send way. him over. Does he do lights? We fired him. Yeah, that's right. So what I do though is I I have like about eight cans of lights on our house, but I just change them to red and green colors instead of white. Cool. Very simple. Awesome. It's a, it takes about a half hour. Sure. And and twenty eight minutes of that is borrowing someone's ladder. Because right. <laughs> you don't. Because <laughs> I don't own a ladder. I like. Why would I invest in a ladder? Then I'd have to do this. But if my, your wife's but, listening, that should be your Christmas. Don't gift. get me a ladder. That's like my, my me getting my wife a I don't know a vacuum. Yeah, really. But my kids came home and they're like, 
can't we just have regular lights like the rest of the people? Right. And what'd you say? And I said, I said, no. <laughs> this is what she Shut did. It. Right? This is what we're getting. This is what we want. The, the rest of the neighbors aren't – they're not conserving. Right. Well, they're not in charge, right, yeah. for yeah. what's best we're for your family. So with even right what we're talking about, this leads us to our third column where yeah. we're funneling so all of the things we're doing. We've made a list right? of everything we've got to do and then you're saying go down the list and either get rid of it. That's yes. one option. Get help with it, like delegate right. it, let someone else do it. Or three – we're going to decide that it has to stay, so we need to keep it, but we're going to modify it. Mm. And that's exactly what you've done with the lights. Yeah. You need to keep the lights, right? Yeah. Your yeah. family feels or we, you yeah. feel you want we, to have yeah. that. But for you, it, it doesn't look the same as your neighbors. No. And so you've modified it so that it works for your yeah. family. It's close enough. Right. It right. shows some spirit. <laughs> right. Which you don't feel any inside. It's a bee. It's a bee. And that's, but that's okay. fine. Right? That's okay. I don't need to have an A on everything. Right? That's okay. And so I know like for us, we do on Christmas Eve, we have a chocolate fountain on Christmas Eve, mm. every Christmas Eve. Yeah. And for – I do it and it is a ton of work. Is because it? Because you have – 50 million things to dip in it and it's just – Oh, yeah. You got to cut all the fruit and yeah, all the – Yeah, and get all the you know snacks and the French bread and all the candies and all the treats. And That's a lot so of chocolate too. We want this tradition to stay. Everyone voted. It's one of their favorite parts. We want it to stay. Extended family come. But I need some help with it. And right. so it kind of falls into two and three here. But what happens is now people bring things. That's great. So that it's a lot yeah. easier to do. So we know we want to keep it, but we're going to work together to modify it so that it fits mm. our needs better. Right? We simplify that, it is what we do. That sounds like a great tradition. So then we go to our fourth kind of category when we're, where we're putting everything that we do. And these are the things that have to stay no matter what. As it, there's no questions asked, right? So, for example, in our home, reading the story of Christ's birth out of the Bible on Christmas Eve mm. is a must stay. Yeah. There, there's no exceptions. That has to stay. Yeah. It's been done for generations. For generations, everybody votes. We love this. We're part. keeping it. This We're is keeping it. Now, when right? you when you do this to your list, do you did you end up getting rid of a lot of stuff? Yes, a lot of things. Right, things that I thought had to be there. For example, I would make a lot of things, cook a lot of things that I thought my family mm-hmm. cared about. Yeah, it came down to they only care about one thing: sugar cookies. They really? want me that's to make great. the sugar cookies I've made their whole life. That's it. That's all that they want. They don't care if I do fudge or homemade this or the peppermint cookie. They don't care about any of it. Isn't that interesting? So why am I right. to be Frank busting my tail yeah. at Christmas yeah. when really I'd much rather be playing with them uh-huh. or going you know, to do fun things, having experiences with them? So I make sure that those sugar cookies are That's in it. abundance. Yeah. During the month of December and I've been able to alleviate all of that, which is funny too because then I've saved, to be honest, a ton of money on the ingredients I would buy, which then goes back to our desire to not let December put us in debt. Or you could invest that in your husband. (laughs) For a new ladder. (laughs) A new ladder. You could buy your man a ladder. (laughs) That's exactly right. So if we will take the time and I know – you know, we hear these things and we think, oh, but who has Mm -hmm. the time? But aren't we right back You're to the stress? You're already spending the time, right? You're right. going to go make fudge for the next month, right? When you could eliminate it because nobody likes fudge, right? And so take just—it really just takes less than an hour. We can find it. Turn your computer off, and you'll have an hour today, That's right? right? That's right. Get off social media, and we can address these things. And it puts our family in this place where we now have unstressed, de-stressed, taken away those things hmm. that are distracting us 
from what we want our family to experience, right? From that mm-hmm. vision. And remember, those things that you keep need to match up with that vision where yeah, we started 20 minutes ago. That's right. right. Do those things fit into that perfect picture that we imagined before we started all this today? That's, in a way, it's, gonna, it's going to manage your expectation too to be more realistic. Right. So it seems like it'll be happier for you anyway because exactly you've lowered right. your expectation in a way. And we've made it very realistic, yeah. right? Now we're only only doing those things that actually mean That's something, huge. that actually build our right. family. And again, we get stressed when we're filling our lives with things that don't matter don't help, don't build, right. don't contribute. And that's what all this extra stuff does during the holidays especially. So there's a couple other places where we can simplify to take out stress. Yeah. The next one is with what we spend and how we spend oh, it. Oh, it's huge. <clears throat> so again, a little bit of homework, but we've got to calculate everything we spent last year. And I don't just mean the things we think. I mean, this is the bows, the wrapping paper, the cards, the paper plates to put the cookies on that went to the neighbors. Mm-hmm. Calculate it all. See what part of your annual income that actually is. That's, I bet it's high. It's, it's probably a lot more than we think it is, right? Mm-hmm. I know this year I just read a study saying that m- most Americans will spend nearly $1,000 this year and they'll spend another $130, $150 on non-Christmas gifts but things for themselves. Like we see something on sale so we right. pick up our own sweater yeah. or those types of things. So we're looking at probably $1,200 and that's without – a family where there's a lot of kids right. or you have Santa coming. Those That's $1,200 for maybe three or four people. Right. And so when we start to look at that, we want to calculate and then decide what percentage that is. Then we want to say, okay, how comfortable are we with that number? Are we okay with that? Is it more than our power bill all year? I mean, hmm. if I think about it and I oh, take yeah. twelve to $1,500, is that more than I'm spending to keep you know energy running through my right. home for our family? Am I okay with that in one month to spend more than an entire year's of power? So we're going to evaluate these things. Once we evaluate them, we're going to come up with our ideal number to spend. And then we're only going to spend half of that. What? Because – Inevitably, at Christmas time or the the holiday season, we will go above that. But by setting half as the limit, any incidentals like your last-minute trip to Target to pick up a bunch of crud – We still won't exceed our budget. So come up with a comfortable number, spend half of it. That will ensure that we stay under it. That's great, yeah. Now, when we do these budgeting, kind of these budgeting tips, work really hard to never go into debt. Try not to use a credit card for Christmas, right? All that does is put more stress. Oh, yeah. And now our holiday stress has extended over eight years at 22% interest (laughs) once a month, right? Yeah. And so this stress, we can see how we perpetuate it. So – Try to avoid that if if possible. Well, and right? you could even delegate that to one of the partners. If one of you likes counting the money, sure, get on it. Let them handle that, yeah. right? Let them do those things. The next, again, we can see what we can modify to save money. Uh, when we go back to, for the chocolate fountain example, we've made some modifications over the last few years as our family's grown. And we've decided, you know what? One kind of graham cracker is okay. We don't need four different (laughs) varieties, right? Right. In just different shapes. And so as silly as that sounds, you know, if you think, and I'm coming from, you know, the grocery shopper perspective, but if you think that another box is 350 and I just took out three of those and narrowed it down to one, we're we're saving in in little places. So see if you can modify and simplify those purchases. You don't need 12 fruits. Right. Maybe we could do six. And 
is anyone really going to miss the green grapes if we have the purple, right? Do I need uh, both? I don't know. I know. See, simple things like that. They're green. That's where you go back to your family and decide what matters. Cool. A couple other things. Always shop with cash during the season yeah. for your family. Then you know it's disappearing and when it's gone, it's gone. And that helps a lot. And always keep a running total. So like write this stuff down. Always. Right there. You know, it's old school to think about balancing a checkbook. Yeah. But with your cash, keep something right next to it and just jot down that $12 just went out the window for that new toy. You have or, a phone right. and there are apps <laughs> to watch your costs. Right. You could just use get them. used to putting it in. Yeah, use them. So we've figured out what's most important to our family. We've briefly touched on saving or de-stressing when it comes to spending. But one of my favorite places to address with families is the gifts that we give. Oh, there you go. Now, there's three areas where we should look to give gifts, and they're not Toys R Us, Target, and Amazon. Oh, wow. Whoa, whoa. They are time, Mm -hmm. experiences, and charity. There you go. So – We're going to look at this a little different. Now, you've heard over and over that gifts of time or gifts of love are spelled Mm T-I-M-E. And that is 100% true. So instead of wondering what Amazon has for your family, wonder what type of time you can give your family. It's it's truly the greatest gift we can ever give them, right? Now, then we go into experiences. And we have so many bodies of research that support Our children, our families do not remember gifts. Right. They remember experiences. And there's a lot of different reasons for this. But we feel that because an object lasts longer than a vacation or an experience, that it will have more meaning. Mm. But what happens is happiness is adaptable. And so we adapt to the new thing we've purchased or bought, and it no longer brings us happiness. So understand at the beginning, the new iPhone and the vacation essentially bring the same amount of happiness. Right. But over time, we adapt to having that phone, and it's not so cool anymore. It's just our phone. But that experience stays with us forever. It never, it never loses that power behind. And if you're going to spend money, you spend it on time together and experience together. Experiences, right? The other thing we're back to the Joneses is that we don't use, or we're always, excuse me, comparing things. But we don't usually ever compare experiences. Right. Right. So we're always saying, oh, they've got that new phone or they've got that TV or they've got that new car or they've got that new toy if it's our kids. But we're not walking around going as much, oh, the hotel they stayed in and the city they visited in. And if we do, it's fleeting because the experiences we have are so so powerful that they stay with us. Yeah, then there's not the comparative mentality. Right. And so – It's powerful. Then, you know, naturally, as we wrap things up, we're looking at charity, which you cannot deny. Allowing Mm -hmm. your family opportunities to serve builds character, builds experiences, again, which are so powerful. They far exceed anything we could essentially wrap up and give them, right? Right. That toy, it does. It loses its its spark. It does. And so if we can look at those three areas, even little things like you hear families do, something to play with, you know, something to read and something to wear – and hmm. then they do an experience instead of a lot of toys. I love it. Play, read, wear. And then have an experience instead. That's and realize great. those are things they need. So maybe we're at the new socks, mm-hmm. a brand new book, yeah. right? And then something very small that maybe they've had their eye on that they want to play with. And then that experience that you share as a family, that will simplify your life during this season so much. You'll really get out of it what you want. Amazing. Easy. I mean, it's just so it's so important. And 
you covered it. I think you've I think you've just saved me a lot of money and time and effort. <laughs> Hopefully, it's a game plan, right? It, it's we great. Know how to it's att- a great. We know it, how to tackle it. It really is. And uh, Heather, they can find you at familyvolley.com, right? Yep. Go check that out. Go check out her book, Family Fun Fridays, as well. We'll take a break and uh, come back. Just wrap up this first hour of the show, folks. It's your it's your holiday season, right? You don't you can lead it. You don't have to just follow the Joneses. And if you know the Joneses, call us. We need to figure out what is their deal. Have them call in. Have them call in. We'll take a break, folks. We'll be right back. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, friends. Welcome back. You, uh, those are some great tips to simplify your holiday, right? I mean, you gotta, you you want to have the season, you want to have the the upside of the season, but man, you don't have to go into debt, and you don't have to, you know, hate each other. How many times have you seen your mom back in the day making these incredible treats, and you're like, oh, those look so good. And then she's like, stay out of the treats. Put that fudge down. Well, I thought we were making – it's for the neighbors. Wow. Now, that's great, you know. But, wow, what if we focused on what matters most? And that might be serving the neighbors. But uh, let's also make sure we're getting done what needs to get done. You can delegate. You can get rid of stuff that doesn't need to be there. That idea of making your list – I mean, Santa does it, for heaven's sakes. Why aren't we? Make the list and then identify, put them in one of four categories. Either get rid of the activity that needs to be done, get help with it, delegate it, let someone else do it for you. Keep it, keep the idea, but let's modify it so it works better into our schedule or just keep it and make it awesome. I highly suggest it. Go do it. Heather knows what she's talking about. It's our season. Let's uh, let's go make sure we're focused and, and helping our children grow with more time, with more experience, with more charity together. Great stuff. We're going to be taking a break, folks. That's hour number two of the show. How cool is that? One more hour coming up next. Stick with us, folks. Again, you can go to iTunes or tune in to find the podcast uh, version of the show or go to BYURadio.org. Great sources to get the information you need to your friends and family. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your guide on the side. Uh, So uh, glad to have you. We couldn't do the show without you, obviously. Hey, uh, today we're going to be talking about um, decreasing holiday angst, the negative feelings that tend to come up around the holidays. I had to change my job. You did? Yeah. I did that, and all of a sudden Christmas was awesome again. Now it's you have no more angst. I'm pretty sure it's because you just work with us. Well, I changed my opinion before working here. Yeah. But I had a job. It was brutal. Uh, yeah, but, well, you used to have to work uh, like every holiday. Well, not, not every holiday. It was just – it was at UPS. Oh, yeah. And so oh, the, there's horrible. a tidal wave of 
Christmas cheer every night as everyone's Christmas comes tumbling down these, you know, bo- these slides mm-hmm. and conveyor belts one jamming up and flat screen TVs falling off high areas and crashing. Oh, on really? the is that floors. why they don't work when they get there? Yeah. Hey, um, it just kind of ruins Christmas. Once you get that, that out of my life, Christmas was great again. Not so bad. I don't have to worry about everyone else's Christmas. See, we don't even make you lift heavy things. Here. No. Yeah. Hey, did you notice that Ben's not working? He's just sitting in the corner? Yeah. You ever wondered why we have two board operators today? I thought we were making a staff change. Yeah, I did too. I thought they finally listened to our complaints. Yeah, and they're like, oh, let's get him out of here. But apparently Garrett Rushforth's joining us. He's on the board. So if there's any errors or mistakes made, it's Garrett's fault. But Garrett, has he's been near perfect. Today. But it's still de facto Ben because Ben is sort of training yeah. Garrett. So, But who gave Ben the right to train anyone? Well, Ben's taking a day off. Oh, today? Nah, about a week, right? right there. So he's got to have someone ready to go, yeah. knows what they're doing, kind of back up. I was, a, apparently Ben has other things to do than yeah. his job. Right. So. Well, right. Some of it's court ordered. Well, community service happens. I mean, so. you got you to do what the court says to do. Those sides of the roads don't clean themselves. <laughs> you know what's great is that <laughs> Ben doesn't have a microphone, so he can't talk. Oh, I'm actually outsourcing my job. Wow. Oh, yeah. is that what you're doing? <laughs> so I, you, you somehow got Garrett to work for half of the money you make? Well, I pay him a dollar a show. Wow. Yeah. And so you're you're doing great. Yeah, that's more money for ice cream. Yep. And so for me, it's it works out well. What's Garrett's deal? Mm. If he works for a dollar a day, Garrett, I work for a dollar a show, and I know where he parks, and I just steal his tires. Oh, there you go. So he actually doesn't have a car, so you better be careful. Well, he you might be taking someone else's tires. I, either way, I'm making money. So. <laughs> Did you guys? Did you guys hear this? I, I've I've got a way to get rid of holiday angst. I've gotten. This is how you get rid of it. Hair salons now they've announced the quiet chair, which used to work for the kids. You know that really hyperactive kid in yeah. in kindergarten. He had to sit in the quiet chair. Well, now if you struggle to keep conversations up with your hairstylist and you wish you could just tune them out or read a book, now there's a chair in a UK salon that is called the quiet chair. And when you're in it, they just have to shut the caker. This is a brilliant idea. It's a great idea. You walk in the door, declare that you don't want to talk to anybody. Yeah. And they just cut your hair. Instead of, hey, you're having a good day? What do you have planned? Uh, What job do you do? Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, I understand this is a social interaction. Just cut my hair. Do they have the option to uh, put you in the quiet chair if you're like a known talker? Because I have the feeling that if yeah. I were to go in there and they see me coming, they like, hide. oh, I just can't I just can't deal today. <laughs> yeah, I don't. We're going to put them in the quiet chair, <laughs> maybe, just so you know, maybe, sir, this may, is the quiet chair. Maybe the stylists, they need to have the option also. That's a great idea. Everyone has the option to just tell you to be quiet, and you, and you make that apparent before the interaction. Oh, I love that. Before it starts, so that everyone's on the same page. Why don't you just have a whole quiet salon? No, just, well, where everyone the, just is quiet. It's like a monastery. Some people like to have little chit chat back and forth. Ugh. It's just being a person. I don't like that because I'm at some level not necessarily a person. You're a person. I'm not personable at times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, you could be if I worked at it. But, well, right. And if you've had a good breakfast. But with my haircut, I'm there for like ten minutes. It's like just cut my hair. Let's but go. they want it. They're trying to make it more like a spa treatment. 
so let's go there. Let's just be quiet. Yeah, they want to. They want to shave my. Do the whole neck shave. Yeah. They want to wash my hair. They want to do like scalp massage mm. stuff. I'm like, just cut my hair. I'm here. I don't for want a cut. the rest of it. Just cut my hair. Don't be touching on me. I can't afford that with a dollar a show. I it's, just, yeah. it's just not in yeah. my budget just keep, right now. You know what, Garrett? Just keep using the Floby. Okay. <laughs> just hook it to the vacuum and go for it. It's great. <laughs> um, it really is a pretty cool uh, idea. And I, I, think, I think I'd love it. Because there's sometimes – it's just I don't like chit-chat. Like, hey, so where are you from? Here. I'm from three blocks away. That's why I come to you. <laughs> I just live down the street. You're three blocks away. So are you ready for Christmas? No. Um, no. There's no, several weeks to go. What do you get? What are you getting your kids? Uh, nothing. Nothing. I'm not here to talk. Or you get off work, drop in for a quick haircut, but they want to talk to you about what you do for a living. Oh, I hate that. And I, I'd rather not talk about my job at the moment. No. I'd rather just sit here. But you know what and, you do? I, I figured you lie. I, I usually tell them what I did five years ago at yeah. my current job, and they go, Oh, okay. And then they just they leave it because it was boring. You tell them you work at a radio station. Oh, I know. It never ends. I know. If you wait till you tell them that you're a marriage therapist. Oh, with this. Yeah. Oh, are you kidding? Can I can I ask you something? Well, my thing is it normal to <laughs> ask your advice That's like right. we do all day, yeah. right? That's why you say I say you know what I can't tell you what I do. Well, I go, I work at a I'll radio station. And they go, well, I listen to the radio. Uh, it's not the same thing. And then they, what, what radio station do you listen to? And you tell them, and they're like. Oh, okay. Can I get that? You know, and they, yeah. And you have to explain what Sirius XM satellite is radio, and, yeah, nah. online and all. Uh. And, yeah, it just turns into more. Com- and you I, I'm happy to talk about it, but at that moment, I'd rather just sit there and have you cut my hair so I can go. See, that's <laughs> this is what makes I think us different because there's probably a lot of people that would love to go talk and use their therapist. I mean, use their hairstylist as their therapist. But I'm not one of them, and I don't want to be used. There is sort of a tradition of the neighborhood barber shop, and that's where you go and have conversation, and it's where people – Hey, Gus. Yeah. You you show up. Everyone's a friend. People just come in and sit down and talk to the barber, and it's just – So what's what happens? I don't have that. Mm -mm. I just get my haircut and go home. It's changed. Because now, yeah. It's not the same old barber that knows your story. Every time you show up, there's someone different. And they're they're just trying to be nice and, and be hospitable as you're there for yeah. a few minutes. And they're not evil. I don't know. There, there comes a point where you need to define the boundaries and just this is what would I want and what I don't want. You know, you define the relationship is what you need to my, do. My wife just texted me because Uh-oh. I get my hair cut by my wife. Does but, she use a Floby? No. Okay. She, but she just said, I instead I could just go actually have my wife cut my hair. Yeah. And just turn on the TV. And my wife will have a we'll have a good conversation. She can you know we can get stuff done, but I can watch my show. So I'd be careful about requesting <sighs> the quiet a... chair mm. if you get your hair cut because I don't think that'd fly very well. Yeah, I'd be bad. Well, you know what? Yeah, my <laughs> he gets the quiet chair for other reasons. Yeah, <laughs> she's mad. <laughs> We're not talking anyway. And that, by the way, you don't you don't want your wife cutting your hair if she's mad. No. <laughs> No, no one angry people with scissors or clippers or whatever near you. It's kind she of does dangerous. a great job. Plus, you don't have to tip. Because if I, if I reached though. in my wallet and gave my wife a tip, right. she'd be mad. Like, you're tipping too much. But there's other things that you, you know, you take out the trash, you maybe guide the children and they're yeah. you know, raking in the leaves. No, nope, don't do any of that. You don't do any of that? I does mean, she take care of it? Do you, does it just not happen? Yeah, it doesn't. We don't have trash. 
or leaves. We're very clean. Okay. Well. We just blow them into the neighbor's yard. It's sad, but true. I kind of do that sometimes. <laughs> that's, why, that's why God made wind. You kind of look up and down the street. Oh, it's coming quick. <laughs> <laughs> blow it over to the I neighbor. moved out. Yeah. So. We do have doggy doo-doo all over our lawn, and that's we gross. don't own a dog. That's gross. That's the most maddening thing in the world. Oh. When a kid needs some discipline, just hand him a shovel and say, go oh. take care of it. And then throw it on your neighbor's lawn that has a dog. If that's which how you want to take care of it. If that's how you're going to play. Or don't. Uh, or put it in a bag. Light it on fire and put it on their front porch. <laughs> and there's lots of ways to get rid of it. Hey, let's get to the headlines. Find out what's going on in the rest of the world. Terry, what's up? Thanks, Matt. A USA Today poll reports 68% of Donald Trump's supporters would vote for Trump as a third-party candidate. The pushback from the Republican Party has opened that discussion. Here's Senator Lindsey Graham from yesterday. He's a race-baiting, xenophobic, religious bigot. He doesn't represent my party. He doesn't represent the values that the men and women who wear the uniform are fighting for. So pushback from the party. Wow. So now the question would be, could he, Trump, get on enough ballots in enough states to actually make an effective third-party candidate run? No, but he'd, he'd be effective enough. To destroy the GOP hopes. This was interesting. Most states have a sore loser law that prevents candidates who run for one party's nomination to switch to another party when they lose. Mm. 47 states, this reports CNN. But most of those laws apply only only to congressional races and presidential candidates are often, often exempt. Still, Ohio has already ruled Trump as a Republican candidate for the presidency and Trump would likely be prevented from running as a third party candidate under Michigan's sore loser law. Trump could theoretically win win without Ohio and Michigan, but if he tries, it's hard to imagine him acting as anything other than a spoiler or, as this article put it, legally a sore loser (laughs) because of the laws. Interesting. Secretary of Defense Ash Carter dismissed claims that the U.S. has contained ISIS in a congressional hearing this morning, and he said the reality is we are at war. With ISIS. Uh, That is your defense secretary. Which is something that hasn't really been said by the White House. Right. So the defense Defense Department is saying one thing and the White House is continuing with something else. Hmm. Uh, Even though Texas's governor mounted an aggressive effort to block the resettling of Syrians within its borders, a family of six refugees was safely settled in the state this week. Another couple and their two young children reportedly arrived in Indiana this week also at the invitation of the Archdiocese of of Indianapolis. That move came despite Governor Mike Pence's declaring that his state of Indiana would not take any refugees. So... The, the resettling of a reset of uh, refugees is happening, as was said. The governors can protest. They don't really have any way of stopping this. So wow. that continues. In just four days, Muslims United for San Bernardino raised five times its fundraising goal. The campaign launched by a Muslim neurologist through his health nonprofit quickly amassed over $100,000 from Muslim Americans across the country, the LA Times reports. The final sum will be donated to the families of the victims of last week's San Bernardino shooting. Over a 1,000 people have already donated to the campaign. The executive director of the Islamic Shura Council of Southern California, which has endorsed the campaign and which represents 78 mosques and Muslim organizations, says the donors hope to raise $250,000 for the victims of the shooting. Wow. That's great. So in just four days, they've raised 100 grand. Man. Very. Service tis the season. Right. And in lighter news, a father and son, Paul Rojek and Joshua Rojek stand accused of pilfering $41,000 worth of wings 
from the restaurant where they worked and apparently managed to do it in a 10-month spree that ended in late November with criminal charges. Wing pilfering. Chicken wings. They stole $41,000 worth of chicken wings. Police say the Rojeks billed the wings to business accounts of the Twin Trees 2 restaurants. Picked them up from that was where they worked. Yeah. They picked them up from the supplier, then sold them on the street and on the side to other restaurants at slash prices, pocketing the proceeds. They they're charged with third degree grand larceny and first degree falsifying of business records. It's allegedly not the first time they did this. Holy cow! They were charged uh, last year with stealing chicken wings from another restaurant. They're wing thieves. They're wingmen. Two times over. That is a racket. Forty one thousand dollars in ten months. Don't wings sound good right now? No. Even pilfered ones? Mm. It depends how they're they're prepared. Mm. Have you heard that Ben's put together some wing ice cream? Yeah, that can't taste good at all. It doesn't. It just tastes horrible. It doesn't. He doesn't have a microphone, so it's perfect. We can talk about it. Hey, we're going to take a break, folks. When we come back, we'll be joined by Peg Streep, who uh, put together an article on Psychology Today about uh, six ways to head off holiday angst. How to kind of uh, eliminate the negative feelings you might have going into the holidays. Bring on the season of joy, right? A little happiness? Come on. We'll be talking with Peg Streep in just a minute. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you find the good in the world. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, this is the so-called best time of the year, right, or the most wonderful season of the year. But there are many factors uh, during this holiday season that make it the most stressful time of the year as well. Sometimes, for some, even the most dreaded season of all. And we hope that everyone can feel holly jolly as they get into this season. So we wanted to bring on an expert that could help us talk about... uh, Losing the angst, you know, combating the negativity that you might feel during the holiday season. Uh, Peg Streep is joining us. She specializes in women's issues and psychology. She's written numerous books and um, also put together an article on Psychology Today uh, website at psychology.com, psychologytoday.com, that's titled Six Ways to Overcome Holiday Angst. Peg's been on the show before with us. Peg, welcome back to the show. Hi. How how are are you? you? Good. Great to have you back. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, or at least try to. <laughs> yeah, try to make it a happy holiday. Talk about uh, angst. What I mean, this is the season of joy and you know good tidings. What, what, where does all the negativity come from? Well, some of it, of course, is the feeling of enormous pressure. That is, the holiday season pretty much begins right after Halloween mm. with piped in Christmas music and decorations. And, of course, it's the time of year when people feel that they have a lot to do. They, um, they're probably socializing more than they normally do the rest of the year. And, of course, they're probably going to family gatherings. Oh, there you go. And the reality of it is that much as most of us love our families... Family gatherings aren't necessarily peace and joy hmm. all the time. Yeah, there's history, so, right? Yeah, and, and so I think that on the one hand, you're bombarded by all this imagery in our culture 
of smiling faces gathered around a table or around a Christmas tree or the exchange of gifts and so forth. And most people, of course, absorb those images and then begin quietly to contrast that with what they're expecting. Mm. So so that um, it compounds, it creates this... You know, there's two or three things going on, the pressure and then life, and then you still got to work and get everything else done. Absolutely. And and in addition, I think um, research has shown, by the way, that that stress has actually been exacerbated by social media. Mm. Image after image on Facebook and Instagram of piles of presents, this beautifully decorated house. Yeah these smiling, successful children. And, of course, what that does for many people is it highlights everything that's wrong or lacking Mm -hmm. in their lives. Yeah, like magnifies it, doesn't it? it, Well, again, it's, it's hard not to feel a tad inadequate. And, of course, that sense of inadequacy can come both from strained family relationships, um not having the money to lavish these incredible gifts on other people or your own family. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, of course, there are those for whom, generally speaking, social gatherings are difficult anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and there are lots of people like that for whom a large gathering or gathering at work is actually hard. But, of course, you can't bow out this right. time of year. Yeah, I mean, this is your job. This is your family. Yeah, this, yeah. Uh, yeah. otherwise that might even make it more stressful because then everyone's like, what's Absolutely. wrong? Right. Well, and plus, aren't there just some people that aren't decorators? They, that they, aren't enter- they don't want to entertain people. They don't want to – they're not crafty. I mean, there's a lot of pressure to just be yeah. thoughtful and gift-giving and wrapping and bows and – Decorating. That's right. I mean, there is um, there is a, a sense in which, and and again, social media has not helped the ubiquity of the instant image, mm-hmm. right? Where there's huge pressure to not only pick the perfect gift that will satisfy the recipient's needs, but to make it beautiful. Yeah. This presentation. Oh. Um, and. For a lot of people, that's, you know, that's just, along with the rest of life, a bit too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that really what makes people angsty is that uh, your own neediness seems to well up at this time of year. Mm. Your own worries about everything that's not right compared to all those smiling pictures, all those happy people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think that really, you know, goes to the heart of it. That's, that's, I think that's so true. Yeah, you, you start to see the contrast of whether it's fake or real of your loneliness, your inadequacy, your weaknesses compared to everything else that's being sold or pitched or, you know, positioned out there. And, it's, and there's, there's no respite from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I guess it is. It's on your television. It's from, on the radio. Yeah, from October on, right. Um, it, it, it's a long haul, in fact, when yeah. you think about it. Oh, and, and especially if, if, if it is creating more anxiety for you, all of a sudden, wow, 
that just kind of starts compounding. Talk to us, Peg. You, you, in your article, Six Ways to Head Off Holiday Angst, you bring up, um, you start teaching us what we can do about it. What are some solutions? We'll take a break in a minute or so, but what's, what's the first thing we can start to do? Well, one thing that you should do is really set your own expectations for what you want the holiday to be like. Hmm. I mean, the reality of it is you cannot control how other people treat you. Right. But you can control how you react to their treatment. And so getting a bead on what you want out of the holiday gathering, seeing your family, uh, going to a party, if you can position yourself to say, okay, I know that Dad's going to say something hugely annoying at the dinner table. (laughs) There we go. But, you know, I'm just going to let it slide. I'm just not going to do it this year. Because really what I want is to enjoy myself. Yeah. And I think that, you know, if, if you actually sit yourself down beforehand and you run through what, for most of us, you know, are the pretty much inevitable moments that we can foresee. Right. Uh, And decide ahead of time that you're not playing. Or alternatively, to say to yourself, well, you know what? I really want this to be an opportunity to spend time with Uncle Jim. Mm -hmm. I don't see him most of the year. So what I really want from this holiday gathering is time with him. And again, I think that if you think about it ahead of time and you both confront the moments that you can possibly glean pleasure from and the confrontations that you can predictably avoid, right? you'll have a much better time. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's what's so great about it, it, family. To some degree, it's going to be fairly predictable. Like you say, you know dad's going to ask you why you're not married yet or or something or something that's it, just it, as there's an annoying. election i <laughs> mean right. there are so many things oh, yeah. apparently out there that we can disagree about one way or that's the right. other and you know they're coming up peg let's do this let's take a break we'll come right back and continue to learn some of those other uh, great rules or principles to help us uh, head off holiday angst we're speaking with peg street folks uh it's really it's an important time of year and uh this, these are good lessons. You can find out more about Peg if you go to psychologytoday.com. Um, she uh, has a blog there called Tech Support Relationship in the Digital Age. Very, very interesting stuff. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends. We are on the phone with Peg Streep, uh, who is the author of 11 books and uh, one, uh, a bunch of articles on psychology today as well as just uh, wonderful tools to help us during this holiday season to head off holiday angst. 
she's so far taught us that one of the the first things we need to kind of focus on is get a bead on our own emotions so we you know we know how to handle and prepare ourselves emotionally to handle what we're going to be dealing with but peg you also taught us uh in the article about we need to do a neediness check what what do you mean by that peg well again if you're if seeing your family is painful because it brings up all the deficits that you remember from your childhood, how your father always favored your brother, mm-hmm. how your sister's achievements were always touted, right, or how your father was never around. I mean, all of us um, as adults get to a place where, in fact, we take a close look at our childhood experiences. And some 40 to 50% of us, in fact, will, you know, come away with feeling that, gee, things could have been better. Mm-hmm. So understanding that the holiday and all that enforced cheer and all of that canned music may, in fact, make you more emotionally vulnerable than you usually are. Yeah. And push your buttons is a good. That's a good thing to know. Oh yeah, because then then you don't. I guess you can prepare. You can understand the trigger in you. I mean, it just helps you. I, mean, I guess anticipate it. Not just that, but it permits you to set boundaries. There you go. And I guess that's one and, of your that's one of your ideas, though, right? Is is be clear in, about your limits and boundaries. Set some boundaries. Well, right. Again, it's not just our family. Families of origin, yeah. after all. But, um, you know, there are families that have been uh, split by divorce for whom the holidays are particularly stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, there are families that have experienced internal strife because of financial difficulties or some other disagreement. So that, again, it all comes down to the same thing understanding how you're feeling and making the decision that you're going to manage those emotions during this holiday season. Hmm. And if you need to, you're going to set up, set boundaries that you're going to say, okay, uh, on the one hand, I'm not going to let the things that X will undoubtedly say get to me this time. Mm Mm-hmm. And then balance that with setting a goal for yourself. Now, is, is that the example of you know your goal being uh, to talk to Uncle Jim during the dinner? But it could be even a larger goal. My goal is actually to behave as well as I can mm-hmm. and to leave as early as possible. <laughs> yeah, and that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, it may not be normal Norman Rockwell. And, and, of course, all of those images are floating through everyone's head. Right. But it beats but the Bundys, right? It beats b- better. It's better than beating each other up and having a horrible holiday. Absolutely. And, and again, it, you know, you, it's gift-giving can in certain families and in certain groups become competitive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and particularly if children are involved, small children. You know, the bigger gift, the better gift, et cetera. Uh, you can decide not to play ahead mm-hmm. of time. Oh, yeah. 
No, I think that's great advice. And you, um, another thing you you touch on that I'd love to hear more about is you you teach us in your article to try to shut out cultural judgments. What do you yeah. mean by that? Well, what I what I mean is that again this this gloss that the society puts on it that you you've got to be happy. Yeah. That you've got to be you you you're supposed to be joyous. No, no, no. That's silly is the point. Those are commercials, not real life. Right. Um and and one thing that you can do, I think, is um I particularly love this this bit of research um because the cultural wisdom tells us to count our blessings. Mm-hmm. And these researchers said, hmm, does that really work? Because the research on counting blessings has been pretty uneven. So believe it or not, they used a Christmas classic, the movie It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. And in that movie, you may remember that George Bailey, when everything falls apart, uh, contemplates suicide. Yeah. And Clarence the Angel says, wait a minute, let me show you what would have happened to everybody in your life if he'd never been born. Which he then proceeds to show George Bailey. So the researchers said, what if, instead of counting your blessings, you subtracted them? So instead of thinking about all the good things in your life, mentally subtract them. And guess what? People felt more grateful. Hmm. Because taking out all the things in life, your close friendships, the, the hobbies you enjoy, the space that you live in, the companionship of your spouse, your children, mentally subtracting them actually made people feel incredibly grateful. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So that's kind of an exercise that I think, first of all, I, I quote that research all the time because it does work. I've done it myself. Right. And it's, it's a particularly good idea for a holiday season that is so dominated by commerce and stuff. Yeah. Um, that if you really, really focus on those other things in your life and you subtract them, you're going to feel really good about what you have instead of what you don't. Mm. So true. I mean, um, I guess that's part of the benefit of this whole process you're teaching us is just perspective, perspective, perspective. Talk about, we've got about uh, 30 seconds, uh, 40 seconds left. What would you say is the one thing that if I just want to remember one thing this season that would have the biggest payoff for me emotionally and to alleviate angst, what's that one thing? Decide what you want from the holiday. Hmm. Set your own goals. They can be positive. You know, what, what you decide for you what you want to happen in this holiday season. Because that's really the part of it that um, you can control. And it could be as simple as, I want to be as kind and good a listener as I can be. Yeah. Um, I want to stay calm. Mm-hmm. Feel peace. I want to feel peaceful. 
Yeah. I want to avoid conflict. In other words, you can, you can, any goal that you want to set for yourself, that you, is your takeaway, your gift to yourself during the holiday season, is a perfectly fine goal to set. And I think it will help you. Yeah. I think it helps all of us. I do too. I think that's great advice. And permits us to kind of, you know, not go down the rabbit hole on the one hand. And get off the hamster wheel. That's right. Because it does feel like a hamster wheel. Oh, yeah. And and take your life back. Particularly when, you know, you have somebody posting on Facebook on August 27th. (laughs) Well, finish my Christmas shopping. Oh, I know. And you're like, um, You know, have everything, you know, dated December 7th. Have everything ready for Xmas. Right. Take off the rest of the month. Right. Oh, it's interesting, Peg. I mean, it really is. And that's something that really causes a lot of angst is just the anticipation of some of that. Hey, Peg, we appreciate you being with us. Really uh, great advice. Again, everybody go to psychologytoday.com. You can look up more information from Peg. When we come back, we're going to be talking to our good buddies down at BYU Sports Nation. Find out what's coming up on their show today at the top of the hour. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome to New York. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Jared is so excited. I mean, sorry, Jerem is so excited. I said Jared. Jerem is so excited. He's chomping at the bit. Uh, we're going to shoot it down to our good buddy Spencer and Jerem down there. Hello, gentlemen. Hey, Jerem, can you hear us? Jerome. I can't hear anything. Jerome. Neither can I. Okay, well, we can hear you guys. Hello. Hello, can you hear us? As Green Day. Plays it in Green Day style. Okay, let's, let's, let's just listen in and just see what they're oh gosh, that's talking really about. Good. They're talking about Green Day and apparently watching videos, but they can't hear us. Oh, I can hear we you can now. Hear you can now. you hear us now? Can you hear me? Guys, yeah. we were hearing your whole conversation. Yeah, so Adele... Uh, yes. Hello, as Green Day, this dude on Twitter or uh, on the YouTube. Uh-huh. They, it. It's hilarious. Why? Why? It's why? It's perfect. Hold on. It, so, Green Day, Adele is is being sung by Green Day. No, it's a dude playing Adele's song called "Hello." Okay. In Green Day style. Style. Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. I'm gonna go look it up. Hey, um, here's the deal, boys. Uh, I don't know if you heard the song we were playing, ABBA. Take a chance. We, we did not hear it. Did, did we get ourselves in trouble, by the way, discussing Green Day and Adele? We could hear you. <laughs> My mom thought I was such a rebel when I was like 11. She's like, oh, he's going through a phase listening to Green Day. <laughs> Bought a cassette tape from Fred Meyer. I was that on my is, way to rebellion. You know, not to age me, but my mom did the same thing when I was listening to ABBA. She thought ABBA, I was a, she thought was I was a rebel. You yeah. are the yeah. dancing queen. <laughs> I used to run around the house acting like the dancing queen, <laughs> and my mom used to worry about TMI, me. Matt. TMI, Matt. Psychological TMI. issues, man. Hey, I, I'm so glad you're both on today because here's the question for you. Spencer, okay. mm-hmm. um, you just had a baby named Jet. Yes. With two Ts. Mm-hmm. One J. Um, Jet son. <laughs> and here's the deal. Uh, did you use – did you hear about the, how they're naming babies now after Instagram filters? What? Yeah. Kids. Sepia! Yeah, exactly. Kids today are now being named after Instagram filters, according to U.S. Weekly. In fact, today calls it one of the hottest baby name trends of 2015. Is nice. guess, guess what it is? You what? won't believe it. 
The name is Lux, L-U-X, 75%. uh, I love it. It's a very popular name. Ludwig is another one. Some other filter names that people are naming their kids after, Amaro, Uh Reyes. (laughs) Amaro is a last name, isn't it? Yeah, isn't like a last name and a Spanish last name? Yeah. Reyes, which means king, right? Or kings. Yep. Um, Hudson and Kelvin. Kelvin. I love me a Kelvin filter. <laughs> That's also, uh, you know, a, a, a color temperature. Yeah. Kelvin, um, yeah. Chart. It's, it's a, a temperature, an alternate temperature reader. Like, or f- so system. hot. So yes. hot is so one like temperature. And- color, temp- color temperature in television, like right now. We're indoors, so it's roughly 3,200 degrees Kelvin. Oh, my heavens. Yeah, it's really hot in here. You know what is amazing? You're, this is stuff we don't learn on every show. Kelvin? When I, whenever I interview you guys, we learn something new. Today we learned about Kelvin. Useless facts with <laughs> BYU Sports Nation. Hey, um, we do that a lot. You do. The entire show is a lot of useless facts. But it's – and again, we learn music. <laughs> we learned some great – we learned a YouTube thing we can chase down with Adele. Done in Green Day style. Yeah. Um, yeah, baby. Another turning point of fork stuck in the road. <laughs> we, 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 get to, we get to hear a lot of lip syncing stuff. Yes, we get do. to hear. When September ends. We sing way too much. I'm sorry. All of your listeners are like, oh, those no. guys again. No, Neither you know of us is. made the BYU men's chorus. You didn't? Because hey. oh. because we don't sing to ourselves on campus thinking everyone's listening, but trying to act like no one's listening. Yeah. You know what? I've got some good news for you, Jerem. <laughs> or is it Jerome? Hey, Jerem, here's some good news. Are you ready? Yeah. D- did you have a track coach with the last name Rushforth? Yes, I did. His son, Garrett Rushforth, right now is running the board on the show. What? Yes. Yes. Uh, he was my cross-country coach. I took... Um, and Rushforth is a fantastic name for that profession, by the way. Oh, yeah. Rushforth, boys. <laughs> yes. He was the cross-country coach that tolerated me my junior year at yeah. Cooper Hills really High School. really made a mark on that program. Not going to practice, yet I was on the varsity team. I don't know if that says more about my talent or the team. Or the coaching. Lack of talent or the coaching. Uh, <laughs> I finished 55th in 5A. That's there were not... hundreds of kids that finished behind me, and I didn't go to practice. Well, <laughs> but you, you, you also ru- you rush forth. I rushed forth. <laughs> and so he, Garrett, hello. Garrett, he says hi. Garrett's here. And he's Garrett, here I apologize for Jerem Jordan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know it what? It was I've, great coaching. I've got, I've got some news. to your father's hard-fought and hard-working profession. <laughs> yeah. his, dad, his dad doesn't even remember me. I, I no, he did. He did. He, in fact, he did because that's how Garrett knew you were on the team. Nobody forgets Jerem mm-hmm. Jordan. Are you kidding me? I looked amazing in those shorts, man. <laughs> That's in fact. I felt they, so weird the first. I was like, "Really?" <laughs> yeah, that's that's what they said. They said it was the shorts that that really got you the win. Nobody wanted to run near you. The wind beneath <laughs> my wings. Hey, um, I've got some good news for Spencer too. A little blast from the past. Mm-hmm. We have one of your fellow parolees here, Ben Wasden. What's up, Ben? <laughs> that was just parolees. Yeah. yeah. He's, he just he, he served some time with you in the pocket. Wow. You know, hey, oh, at long... county. At county. It's at county. been a long time. Yeah. Juvie. Ben. <laughs> ben. We, we don't let any of them talk. Spider-Man's but... dad? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Ben so... of the Wasden clan. Uh-huh. Ben Kenobi. I'm, I wonder if he means old Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan no, no, no. Kenobi. I wonder if he means old Ben Kenobi. Yeah. Worst line in movie history. You guys, I, look at you. That's I try not week. to speak about my oh, time. Oh, there's Ben back right then. there. Yeah. Ben it, it was a really hard time. Man, there's a familiar voice. But you know what he said, hey. Spence? He said he couldn't have gotten through it without you. 
and you're well, and, and you helped all those him pick up basketball games. Yeah, all those pick up basketball games in the in the prison. It was great. I run a mean black market in prison too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he still he still loved your homemade hooch, fun dip, and uh, funyuns, cotton candy. If you're really uh, oh, yeah. really willing to pay the high price, cigarettes. Hey, are you guys um, are you doing that show thing today? We are. What what, I, what are you talking Kyle about? Kyle Whittingham's on the program today. Bottom no, he's line. not. Utah head yes, coach Kyle Whittingham. Yep. Are you he's kidding? Nope. That's well, cool. Well, ask him has he been contacted about the Brigham yeah. job. Ask him that. Uh-huh. Ask him. Ask him what he thinks. Because I read in the local paper he he didn't seem elated about this bowl opportunity. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely talk about the bowl opportunity, yeah. and I'm sure that it might come up. He will uh, give us his opinion on the matter. Okay, okay, good. That's a great guest. Holy mm-hmm. cow! Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Stuart Mandel of oh, Fox yeah. Sports, yeah, who's been all over too. the uh, yeah. Utah matchup. Cool. He ranks there are forty bowl games, right? Which is like thirty nine too many. Uh huh. He he says that BYU Utah is the eleventh best game. Now really? there are, there are six games that are in the New Year's Six, so he's saying it's a top five non New Year's Six game, which is mm. pretty good. Yeah, and really. Stuart Mandel has one hundred and forty eight thousand plus Twitter followers. So yeah, he knows. I judge a man by his Twitter followers. You should in this day and age. He also, <laughs> I mean, they also have already sold out the stadium, so it's a it's it's probably the best selling game. I love people that call me Spence. Can you get some tickets, man? You're like. Uh, <laughs> That'd be a no uh, for two hundred dollars. I can't get myself tickets. That's a big negative. I'm lucky that I'm covering it as media member. <laughs> but like, you, I don't even have a ticket. But aren't you covering it on the outside of the stadium, Spence? Uh, both outside and in. They're going to let you in. You kid about that? But we've gone to some places where they wouldn't let us our pregame show in. Are you kidding? I'm not going to say which schools, <laughs> Wisconsin, but they wouldn't. They wouldn't let us on. Uh, the you field. actually just said it right there. Oh my yeah, bad. Yeah, I thought did. that was verbal parentheses. No, no, you thought that was in your head. <laughs> Oh, my bad. Just because you air-quoted it didn't mean we didn't hear it. Next Airprint, time you shut the mouth. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's sad. I'm sorry for you. And not at the Wisconsin game. Oh, no. It's, y- we we did our best to do our duty, you know? Hey, um, so is that the show? That's it? Just just some incredible guests? We're also going to talk about, uh, you know, what's a, what's the situation that the new head coach, whoever it's going to be, the BYU comes into? The inheritance. Comes mm-hmm. into at BYU. What is uh, the situation with BYU football right now? What are the good. pros? What are the cons? What do they inherit when they uh, take the throne of BYU football? Well, he does. Whoever it is, they do inherit BYU Sports Nation. Yes, and we think that's a pro. I think it's mm-hmm. a total pro. Mm-hmm. A con, they have to do media day, and probably I might get an interview. Matt Townsend is on the con list. Which means I'll talk about their marriage, <laughs> their, their problem. You know, he so. said you were on the con list. Oh! I, from X County, yeah, yeah you're the X con oh, list, Jimmy. <laughs> anyway, what up, Ben? Okay, you guys gotta go. Yeah, don't don't get Ben started again. Your okay. your own Ben down there is probably chomping at the bit. Okay, yes. go go have a great show. Got work to do. Go go work hard and uh, you know keep that ankle bracelet on. That's great okay. stuff. Done. See you guys. Have a great one. Bye. Keep singing. Oh, that's fun. I missed them already. I didn't even talk about National Pastry Day with them. They would have loved that. Anyway, um, a little bit uh, – we talked about the fact that people are naming their babies after Instagram filters, which I think says enough. You know, that says everything you need to know. We don't even have ingenuity anymore to, like, make up our own children's names. We're now naming them after a, an image filter on Instagram. Holy cow. Hey, here's some more ideas uh, that we just got to get out there. I don't know if you've heard about this. If you are a hippo lover, you are going to be down on Pablo Escobar, the great drug lord. Um, A herd of hippopotamuses, once owned by the late Colombian drug baron Pablo Escobar, has been taking over the countryside near his former ranch. 
and no one knows what to do with them. What do you do with a herd of hippopotamuses? Escobar's vast ranch estate also houses a zoo full of exotic animals that had to be smuggled into the country. Elephants, giraffes, other exotic animals, among them four hippos, three females, one male. They all lived in the zoo. And then after Escobar was killed by police 14 years ago, the ranch confiscated uh, and was confiscated. The animals dispersed to the zoos, but not the hippos. For about two decades, they have wallowed in their soupy lake. All the while, the hippos themselves thrived and multiplied. The local environmental authority says um, they estimate about 50 to 60 hippos now. Oops. Most of them living in the lake. Now, by the way, aren't hippos really dangerous? Hey, you go get the hippos. I'm not going to get the hippos. You get the hippos. Yeah, wait till you call the dog catcher to get the hippos. Anyway, it's dangerous. So if you're looking for a hippo, you might want to head to Columbia. See how that goes for you. Uh, you know, not not an easy uh, not an easy catch. Hey, um, one of the things you know we like to do at the end of the show is get to our hero of the day, and. Uh, I'm trying to find it as I as I look through all of my numerous right there. There we go. Hero of the day, Dr. Patricia Quinlan is a doctor practicing in Pennsylvania. Listen to this. What does a smartphone have in common with a hair tie, whiskey, and masking tape? Dr. Patricia Quinlan would tell you they're incredibly handy to have in a medical emergency. Quinlan was on the board on board an airline, uh, United Airlines flight 653 a Thanksgiving Day flight from Philadelphia to San Francisco. When the man in front of her fell out of his seat, Quinlan thought at first that the man had fallen asleep, but when he didn't get up, she sprang into action. The man had an irregular pulse and blood pressure was dangerously low. Quinlan was given the plane's AED and used it to uh, determine if the man had a normal heart rhythm or not, ruling out the possibility of, of a blockage. Next step was to connect the man to an IV. A passenger offered his belt as a tourniquet for the IV, but it was too large. Instead, Quinlan quickly grabbed for her hair tie. There was also no rubbing alcohol on board, so the flight attendant sterilized the needle with whiskey. And even when the IV bag was up, their problem still hadn't ended. The bag had a leak, so a woman found some scotch tape in her bag, and a hole uh, was quickly patched up. Quinlan was assisted by a pediatric ICU nurse and an EMT who both happened to be on the flight. The man was able to walk off the flight by the time it landed in San Francisco. Quinlan has earned the nickname Dr. Angel, although Dr. MacGyver might be a better fit for her. Our hero of the day, Dr. Patricia Quinlan, folks. See, you just got to be at the right place at the right time with the right skills and about 10 other people. And bada boom, bada bing, you save a life. Anyway, she's our hero, folks. We can't do the show without you, so you are our heroes. Join us again tomorrow. More ideas, more tools to help you find the good in the world. Until tomorrow, take care of each other, and we'll be back again then to talk. Take care.